Would you rather I start the show late or just sit here and look at you and not say anything? Those are kind of the options, right? Just sit here and wait for Mr. Bell. Should tell you a story. Good morning, Dean. How can the how can the YouTube video say eleven waiting when I know we're live? I'll tell you a story that I'm about to tell again anyway to Mark Bell. I I have a friend who went on Mark Bell's podcast, and I guess Mark does his, all of his podcasts live. And my friend was telling me, "Hey, that's the only way to do it. You got to go live. You got to go live." Felipe Rosario, Felipe. Good morning. Yes, Sevon, that is me. That is the name I go by. <clears throat> and so my friend told me that he went on Mark Bell's podcast and that Mark Bell does it live. So I was like, well, shit. And so this friend of mine, actually, he was the first person I ever went live with on my podcast. He kind of pushed me to that. Thanks for the last episode. Shed light on some stuff for me. The last episode with uh, Lee Cavelli. Is that what you're talking about? That was cool. I have to tell you that was that I, I was uh, I had no idea how that was gonna go. I never know how any of them are gonna go. Um, who's the easiest person to do a podcast with? Uh, I mean, obviously James and Kate. That's why I get so out of control. I'm too comfortable. Um, I lose all discipline. But uh, who else? What guests? Um, oh, with Gee, yeah. That one was, I wasn't ready. I didn't know how that one was going to go either. You never know. What What did you like about that one? What did you like? He's on his own podcast right now. Seriously? That's completely unfucking acceptable. There's no fucking way he's doing his own podcast right now. And I'm sitting around here waiting for Mark Bell with my thumb up my ass. There is no way. Mark, hey, hi. What's up, man? <laughs> I'm reading the comments. They're like, dude, he's doing his own podcast right now. He's not coming on your shit. Yeah, I'm too busy doing my own stuff. How do you how do you decide I, that, you know, the once every six years that someone invites me on a podcast, I'm like, fuck that. I'm not spending an hour and a half on your podcast. You come on to mine. How, how do you decide to go on other people's podcasts? Uh, I was enticed by the hand job. Ah, yeah, ah, yeah, this guy's ah. probably this guy's offering the hand job right up front. He's probably pretty good at it. Probably knows what he's talking about. Dude, you signed an NDA. You're not allowed to disclose those. Oh, types Jesus of, Christ! I'm sorry about that. Those type of things. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, I like sharing information. So, if someone's excited and fired up, then uh, I'm excited and fired up too. And I like sharing information because there's just so many different uh, there's so many different people to listen to out there today. People are following so many different people. I'm not sure if they know uh, all the different names out there. So, like, if I hop on someone else's show, even if the show is kind of small, um, then maybe I reach a new audience. Maybe uh, some people hear about me and some of my ideas and concepts and some people I follow. And then they gain some knowledge towards that. And maybe it can help change someone's life in some weird way. Yeah. Um, that is That is the theme as I dig around on Google, the Internet. That is your theme helping people it's a it's a it's a it's it's a motif i see everywhere how did you choose um that shirt today did you or was it just random you just kind of stumbled into your closet yeah i i I stumbled out of my closet (laughs) it's probably more like um i uh i get dressed you know and it's pretty dark so i don't even know what i'm throwing on exactly but uh more recently i've been kind of throwing on some bigger 
bigger t-shirts. It's kind of a weird thing. I don't know why this happens, but when you get in, as you get in better and better shape, for some reason, your clothes get baggier and baggier. I'm not, I don't know how that works, but that's what's been going on. Did we lose them? Did you delete them? Maybe the answer was too profound. Way too, way too profound. <laughs> thanks for holding the thanks for holding this. I was trying to close a window on another computer and I closed my own window. That's a first. Oh, okay. sorry. Everyone knows the answer to your question except me. So it's dark. You stumble into your closet. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I just I, I said that more recently I've been wearing like bigger clothes, which is kind of funny because uh I have a tendency to do that as I get leaner. I don't know what. I don't know what the affinity is for that, but um, anyway, yeah, I'm getting dressed at like four in the morning. My wife's sleeping still, so I'm just trying not to make uh, make too much noise and just grab whatever clothes I can. And sometimes I end up with uh, some pretty interesting um, mismatched clothing. Yeah, I pictured you would be wearing something like uh, one of those shirts from the 80s, like that goes on top of the MC Hammer pants, like something more like with like a spaghetti strap. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, Oh, I see the, um, yeah. Like the bum equipment, uh, gorilla wear from back in the day, the, uh, boat neck style, uh, sweatshirts. Why, why would you go? I do the opposite as I get leaner. I would like, I have fat clothes and not fat clothes. And it's like, yeah. there's like a one pound difference. It's because you probably never actually been in great shape before. Yes, that is that is uh, that is a hundred percent true. If you get in really good shape, it gets to be weird. You're like, I I need to kind of hide this. I need to reserve this from other people. Oh, like like you don't want the attention. It's too yeah. Much. Like if a dude takes off his shirt and he's got like a tank top on, and he's six uh, one and one hundred and eighty pounds, people are like, oh, that guy looks great. But if you pop off your t shirt and you have a tank top on and you're two hundred eighty pounds. People are like, that guy's a fucking asshole. So wow. it's uh, one of those deals. People th think I, you uh, maybe took it too far or something. I don't know. Yeah, I can't believe you ever, you just said that to me. It's because you've never been. <laughs> Holy shit. There's a lot more of that to come on this show, probably. I don't know. Oh, my God, Mark. <laughs> wow. I mean, that that is that is the truth. I've never been in, I've, I've only, I've never, I've never, I've never been in such good shape. Or if I was, I have like some sort of body dysmorphia or something. I've never been in such good shape where I was like excited to take my shirt off or, or well, I mean, think, think about it this way, right? Like, um, there's different degrees of like wealth, you know, and like, are you going to pick up your buddy? Like that you used to hang out with in high school, you're going to pick him up in your brand new, like Rolls Royce you'll probably choose to pick them up in your like beat up Jeep or something like that. Right. So it's, it's one of those deals where, yeah, it's cool to like show it. It's great to have it, but uh, only certain times, certain situations, cause other people sometimes can't handle it. So there's some video of uh, flex Wheeler walking on the beach in Venice back when he was a competitive bodybuilder. And just there, I've seen other people post similar things where, just the looks he's getting are, you know, it, I don't, people aren't like elbowing each other saying like, wow, what a magnificent physique that is. Wow. That's really cool. Everyone's just saying, oh, that guy's on steroids or that guy only cares about himself or, but you know, it's, it's our own self image that really matters the most our own, not self image, but our own self thoughts that matter most because uh, a lot of times people aren't really even thinking much of anything that you're doing. 
they're barely even paying attention. And even if they did have uh, hateful words or whatever, um, they don't know you. So like, what's the difference? Like, what, what, why does it even really matter? Why, why get in your own head too much about what other people think? But that's my way to do it. It's just to, <laughs> it's just to kind of uh, cover it up with some baggy clothes, I guess. So maybe, maybe you're like, Hey, I don't want to make this. I'm in such good shape right now. And I'm going on with this dude, Sevon. And I know he's never been in like fantastic shape, so I don't want to make him feel bad. So I'm going to roll up in the beat up Jeep. That's right. (laughs) But you can't, but you don't have a beat up Jeep. You just tried to throw some mud on your Rolls Royce and I see right right through and I see right through it. (laughs) This house that you're um, flexing in front of, is this your house? Uh, I, oh, it's I don't a blue know. house with like a deck on top or gray. Uh, I'm not sure what you're looking at. Can you show me? I, um, I probably could if I knew how, if I had an engineer like you, if I was big time like you, it's you with the, with the slingshot, blue slingshot over your shoulder and you got this bam double. Oh, oh no, that's not my home. That's uh that's in New Jersey. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a, uh, yeah, that's a, a rental that we took out for the weekend. We, me and my family, we go to New Jersey, um, every year I'm originally from New York. And so we go to the Jersey shore and, uh, yeah, that was a place I rented out for about a week or so. And, uh, we had a great time, kind of a big old, uh, bell family reunion. There's like 40 of us that go to it. So it's pretty fun. How good does that feel to be able to do that for your family? I'm assuming you pay for the whole thing. Uh, it, it feels amazing. Uh, I don't pay for everybody. 40 people is a lot. <laughs> I can I suppose that I maybe could figure it out, but, uh, we, um, we do, uh, have a, a couple other people that join us. My dad usually joins us. My brother usually joins us and stuff like that inside of the house that we rent. But yeah, like I said, there's 40 of us. So there we're kind of, uh, all over the place, uh, out there in New Jersey when we go. I do something like that in Lake Tahoe, not, not even with 40 people. But when I started having a little bit of extra, extra money on top of extra money, I started renting a home in Tahoe once a year for like five days and invite my family. And it was like, it's like the greatest thing ever. It's awesome. It's amazing to be able to share stuff with people. I have a home. um, I have a beach house in Bodega Bay and I have a home in uh, Tahoe, Lake Tahoe as well. And, um, you know, to be able to share that with friends and family there, we don't, we don't rent them out. We don't let, uh we're not trying to make any money off of them or anything, but we just uh, let friends and family stay there for free. Uh, and even some employees and stuff like that, whenever, whenever they want, really, just as long as we're not there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, wor- it works out great. And I was able to buy a home for my dad. Uh, I was able to buy a car for my dad. I was able to buy a car for my brother. Um, and yeah, just uh, the invention of the slingshot and some of the s- products that I've created over the years. Uh, have not only created a, a great life for me, but a lot of the people that I love and care about as well. Dude, that is so awesome. You bought a home for your dad. You know why that's so good too? Is because you get it back. Right. <laughs> Everything you buy your parents. Yeah. Right. You, yeah. I mean, I mean, as long as you don't get hit by a train or something, but they right. go before you and then you get that shit back. God, that, that, what, what, it's so cool. I mean, that really is the dream for every kid, right? What's great about life is, is if your parent, if your parents don't become a burden on you, what's even greater about life is, is if you can like help them. Yeah, it feels unbelievable. I mean, they, you know, um, 
to watch my own children. I have a 14 year old daughter and a 17 year old son and to watch them grow into, you know, uh, not maybe not fully capable yet, but, uh, to watch them grow up into capable human beings that are kind of cooking their own food in the kitchen. And my son's, you know, driving himself back and forth to school and picking up his cousins here and there to go, to go walk around and, uh, just have some fun and, and, and things like that. It's, it's really neat to watch your kid be able to do really much of anything that you taught them, whether it's they tying their shoes for the first time or they're, uh, they're brushing their teeth or they finally use the bathroom, uh, the right way and don't just shit their pants or something like that. Um, it really is amazing. So I can't imagine what it's like for my dad, um, you know, to have a kid that, uh, you know, is, is later trying to turn things back around on him and, and showing him, uh, my appreciation and my thanks for him. I walk with him every morning, uh, as well, just, um, just as part of our like morning, our morning ritual together. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's an amazing person. And I, I always start out whenever somebody asks me about some of the successes I've had with business. Uh, I always have to start out and say, Hey man, I, I don't know what it's like to live any other way. Uh, but I grew up with two amazing parents and, uh, that's the ultimate secret weapon. Not everybody gets that. And I understand that. And so for some people, uh, I believe they're, uh, they're starting off a little bit further back, uh, if they didn't have, uh, parents that were supportive. My parents went to everything all the time and they still do. Um, when my, my mother passed about a year, about a year ago, um, but even before that, even when she was sick and even on her worst days and stuff like that, uh, they, they would both show up to everything. We have a seminar this weekend and, uh, I'm sure my dad will be there. He was here for our last seminar that we did with, uh, CT Fletcher. So my dad is, is, is always around at these things. Um, even if it's not like his greatest interest, you know, he's like, my son's going to do that, this thing. And I'm, I'm going, I'm going to be there. Did you walk with him this morning at 6 a.m.? This morning, his knee was banged up a little bit, so uh, we didn't actually walk this morning, but uh, I still got my walk, walk in. I still got my steps in, but uh, yeah, we walked yesterday. Mark was in a, a movie, Bigger, Faster, Stronger. Did I say him in the right order? Something like that. Sounds good enough. And that's how he popped on my radar. I think that movie was from 2008. Right. And that was a co-production between you and your brother? My brother, Chris, uh, directed it and wrote it. Okay. And um, the movie was, I, I am, I, I was, I am, I guess, kind of a documentary filmmaker. I've made a bunch of them. But this movie really uh, t- was one of the first ones ever to take it to the next level. It had some of this uh, Michael Moore shit that was like really practical and down to earth. It wasn't as, um, it was really great, man. Your brother's something else and is interviewing and that's so that's how the bells first popped on my radar and then o- over the years with my and th- that was right about i was about one or two years into working for crossfit at the time when crossfit was just you know kind of like spreading around the world there were about mm-hmm. 300 gyms i think in 2008 and so of course my um my interaction with mark just through seeing him on videos and on the social media just over the years has just increased. I've sort of kept one eye on him and seen what he's doing, but not very close because it was in a world, it was a world that I thought um, didn't really have any interest in CrossFit and that maybe 
shit on CrossFit's too hard, but but just um, anything I heard was always like poo-pooing CrossFit, which was okay. There was no, it was kind of like what Mark was saying in the beginning. You kind of, no one's really looking as, at anyone as much as you really think they are. And I, and I, I know think, that. Yeah. If I can interrupt for a second, please. Um, anyone that bashes CrossFit, anyone that thinks that CrossFit is like foo-foo or it's some bullshit that people do that can't lift heavy weights or it's something that people do that can't bodybuild. It's like, uh, I think some people think it's a place for people that didn't have a place previously in fitness. They got the totally wrong idea and wrong concept. CrossFit is extremely, is, is just extremely difficult. Uh, even for an advanced lifter, uh, just to give an example, there could be somebody that works for a long period of time in their career, their lifting career towards a 600 pound deadlift. And maybe that same person can squat around 500 pounds. And maybe that same person can bench 350, 400 pounds, something like that. That's a very strong, very capable individual. But now you ask that same individual to do a rope climb. And most likely they're already out. Like most likely they're going to have a really hard time because that individual that can lift those weights like that normally is somebody that's fairly heavy. Let's say that individual is gifted enough to do a rope climb. Okay, well, let's see how long it takes them to run a mile. <laughs> Most of the time, you know, their their time their their running time is going to be compromised. Let's see them do uh, pull-ups. You know, and people make fun of the kipping pull-up, but they don't understand the whole reason why the kipping pull-up exists the way it does is because the rules in CrossFit are to get your a chest to the bar. Your chest has to make contact with the bar. So show me some other way of doing a pull-up, if you will, <laughs> uh, where you don't move your body around like that to get your chest to touch the bar in a pull-up position. What ends up happening is over time, if you were to train me in CrossFit, I'm about 240 pounds or so. Um, if you were to train me in CrossFit, I would end up over a period of time having to look like a CrossFitter. I'd have to lose weight. I'm not saying that you can't do it at these bigger sizes. There certainly are some genetic mutants uh, that can do things certain ways. But I think powerlifters would look down at CrossFit and say, these guys aren't that strong. Again, you got to keep in mind these men and women, first of all, they are very strong. So I even contend that notion. Uh, but also, these are people sometimes coming off of a 5K trail run to deadlift 500 pounds. Or in the case of uh, uh, Brooke Wells doing a 5K trail run and then still deadlifting like 425 or something like that in a deadlift ladder. It's like, are you fucking kidding? The CrossFitters need a lot more respect than they get. They unfortunately only get it. Well, not only get it, but mainly only get it from themselves and from their own community. And I hope that powerlifters, bodybuilders, and strongman athletes um, and other people in fitness give them their due credit. They are, they are fucking savages. I, I think most of it, to be honest, is just the insecurity of the CrossFitters, though. I never heard – you, you know, um, yeah – I didn't mean it to say it like any of it was true either. I think there are obviously some people in the, in, in both communities who poo poo them. That. There's probably more CrossFitters that poo poo powerlifting than there are <laughs> powerlifters that poo poo CrossFit. Um, because let's face it, when you start doing CrossFit, you sort of tap, you start really exploring a lot of things you never thought you could do. 
you get, you know, a 50 year old woman climbing a rope and, and, and you can't help it all of a sudden think you're the shit. So, I mean, we do have a little bit, of, we have our own uh, <laughs> ego, ego problem. I mean, every time I don't go to Starbucks anymore since uh, the so-called pandemic started. Um, but uh, every time I would go into a Starbucks, I'd look around and uh, I'd be like, I'm the fucking fittest person in here. I, that little voice would say <laughs> in my head, I'll fuck whoop anyone's ass in here. Five, five, one fitty. Um, uh, so, so then, then, so then finally, um, how he, 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 and I always confused you with Jesse Burdick, um, it, which is funny because you guys are, as I dig around about you, you guys are friends. Absolutely. Guys, yeah. My BFF. Yeah. That's crazy. And so I always kind of, so, uh, a while back, um, uh, another mutual friend of ours, Dave Castro told me, Hey, I was doing something with my kid and he goes, Hey, I'll put you in contact with Jesse Burdick and he can help you show you some stuff to help your kid swing a bat better. And so I thought I was getting put in contact with you and it took me a while to figure out, okay, that's Katie Hogan's husband. And I had to like re I had to un have you ever thought two people were the same person? I actually was at the airport one time and somebody congratulated me on getting married to Katie Hogan. Oh, that's awesome. Like, that makes me know, so happy. It's not very legal for me to have two wives, but okay. So I had to pull you guys apart. I had to pull <laughs> you guys uh, apart and make you guys each your own person. It was like Play-Doh getting mixed up as a kid when you didn't want it to. <laughs> and uh, and then so then and then and you know then it became very clear you're not you're not. And then I guess Dave went on your podcast and he said Absolutely. you do your podcast live. And then he started just telling me what a bitch I was because I don't do mine live. So then I was like, I can't be a bitch in Dave Castro's eyes. So I started doing mine live. And then he's like, have you had Mark Bell on yet? And I go, nah, he's too big time. I'm, I'm, work, I'm working my way up. He goes, dude, he's the nicest guy ever. Now, I've, that those words don't come out of Dave's mouth. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And yeah. I don't even think I've ever heard him use the word nice except to describe you. So I was like, all right. Either Dave set me up and this guy's a total prick and Dave wants to see me get <laughs> fucked or I'm going to, I'm going to make the attempt. So, so here we are. And I see that house that you say you got in New Jersey. And what's funny about that is you say you have a, a vacation home in discovery Bay. And that's exactly where I thought that was. I thought that was like somewhere in Northern California, like discovery Bay or like somewhere outside of Guerneville or something, you know, like the drive to Guerneville. I see homes like that with all the seagulls yeah. all over them. Yeah, we have a place out in uh, it's Bodega Bay is the area. Oh, Bodega Bay, yeah. But I mean, they're all they all look the same. But Bodega Bay is uh, it's kind of a hard place to describe because there's a beach there, and um, it, it's it, it's really interesting. Like somehow, like not not that many people seem to know about it, or maybe it's too chill. Like it's not it's not like Santa Cruz. It's not like Santa Monica. Um it's not like a real beach town, but it, but there's a beach there. And so maybe cause the water's cold and things like that, but, uh, me and my family, we love it. And people oftentimes when we do go there, they're like, what do you do when you go there? And we're like, exactly. <laughs> we do a whole lot of nothing. We go for walks, we go on hikes. Um, we hang around the house. Uh, my wife's always messing with a puzzle. Kids are usually playing like board games or sometimes video games. And uh, we're just barbecuing and kind of hanging out. So, were you? I, I want to go back to how 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 the slingshot came about, and and how it changed your life. Before the slingshot, were you just hustling? Um, 
before the slingshot, I was mainly just powerlifting. Just but how, uh, but how did you make money? I didn't. You didn't. Yeah, I didn't really make. I didn't really make much money. I, uh, you know, I did have my gym, and the gym was making a little bit of money. Um, don't lie, gyms don't make gym, money. I and I know, but the gym, the gym wasn't always free. So in the beginning, the gym made a little bit of money, and I did a little bit of personal training, and uh, I also uh, started a magazine called Power Magazine, and that was starting to make a little bit of money. But I didn't really do much. I didn't. I wasn't able to really put up much points on the scoreboard in terms of, uh, you know, bringing in an income. Uh, but my wife and I together figured it out enough to where we could, uh, you know, maintain a mortgage and things like that. But we were, we were uh, not financially stable. We were losing our home, and uh, my. I mean, my financial stability was so bad that, uh, you know, I had bad credit. I couldn't get a credit card. Um, I couldn't even sign for our house. So my wife and my brother-in-law did instead. And um, so, yeah, things were just, things were just sideways, but uh, I have a very um, uh, like laid back personality. And so uh, while bills were piling up and while different things were going on, I was always like, I don't know. It's going to just work out one day. <laughs> you know, and my wife was like, shit just doesn't work out. I was like, ah, it will. Like, I'll just keep leaning into this powerlifting thing and eventually it'll become something. From the time I was a kid, from the time I got into lifting when I was 12 years old and I started getting that burn to want to do it every day, I always knew it was going to turn into something. I just, I just never really knew what that is. So I explored pro wrestling because me and my brothers loved pro wrestling. I explored playing football. Because I thought maybe I could use my body in some way to make make some money playing football or something like that. Turns out I wasn't good enough at that or professional wrestling. And then so I shifted gears and went back to what I started with, which was powerlifting. And um, I just felt like powerlifting was like a calling. It just was always there. Whenever uh, I would explain how to do a bench squat or deadlift, um, just words would come flying out of my mouth. I was normally pretty shy. And uh, now here I am, you know, explaining, you know, how to bench squat or deadlift to the CrossFit community. Cause I started doing powerlifting certification courses um, through CrossFit. And, you know, I, I just started gaining more and more confidence in myself. The more weight I was able to lift uh, eventually getting to, you know, squat over 1,080 and bench press 854 pounds, deadlift 766. And just after you start to do things like that uh, for yourself, you start to recognize what you can really make of yourself in other areas. It, it's like a light bulb, hopefully, uh, will eventually go off and you'll go, wow, I wonder if I took the same principles that allowed me to get better in the bench squat and deadlift and become a high level power lifter and a high level power lifting coach. I wonder if I could take that outside of the gym and figure out ways to make, figure out ways to be a success. Otherwise a successful dad, a successful husband, a success in the eyes of, I guess the general population, which is kind of always comes down to uh, making money. Um, how, how long has the slingshot been around? The slingshot years. has now been around, yeah, for about, uh, yeah, I'll be going on like it. It's been around for eleven years. 
Oh, darn. I was trying to show off. Okay, 11 years. And so your ki- your kids are 14 and 17. So you had two kids. Um, what was the most amount of months you were behind on your mortgage? We actually just stopped paying it because that was advice from my dad. My dad's a financial advisor. And uh, he said the whole country's upside down. So he's like, you don't have to pay it. And he turned out he, he was pretty much right. So I think we went about uh, six months without paying it. And I don't think we ever even had to pay it because again, uh, that was a time that was uh, like 2008 or whatever, when things uh-huh. were just really weird. My dad's like, they can't retract money that you don't have, you know? And he's like, not only do you not have it, but no one else has it either. So it was a weird time. Um, I don't remember exactly everything that happened. Uh, but I do remember that. Yeah. We didn't pay for, months on end uh towards the towards us uh moving out of the house oh you ended up moving out of the house yeah we ended up moving out of the house and then we just um you know so sometimes you know you have to shrink down sometimes in life you know you 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 might you might try to you know uh we we were financially stable when we bought when we bought the home even though i didn't have much income my wife was doing pretty well um so we weren't doing that bad when we got the home, but once we, once we got down the road further and she lost her job, um, and I wasn't bringing in hardly anything, then, uh, we had to make a move. And so when we made the move, we just switched back to renting and then we rented for a while. And that was, that went simultaneously with a bunch of things. Um, simultaneously we we cut back on our spending because we went from having a pretty high mortgage to fairly modest rent and then also with my gym uh, i was paying like around a thousand bucks a month for this really shitty space to have a gym and then i changed my location to be inside somebody else's gym and because i had a lot of equipment and i've just brought a lot of energy to the gym they let me be in there for free for about two years wow and so that freeing up of a little bit of money um, actually gave me some time to free up my bandwidth, my mind, my brain to be able to think more about how I could, you know, what's something that people could utilize that I could maybe invent or create. Um, the slingshot is like, you know, part of a long list of things uh, that I've had stewing in my head for a long time. I've I've kind of always been. Uh, inventive, I guess. I've always had ideas and concepts. Some of them have been too big. You know, some of them have been like, hey, let's, what if, what if this squat rack did this thing? And, but it's like, how the hell do you make something like that when you don't have any money? So making a stretchy rubber band thing that goes around your arms uh, is a little simpler uh, move to make. And so um, I tore my pec several times uh, during my powerlifting career, just trying to push the envelope and trying to bench press big weights. And it was the second time that I tore my pec going into a competition where I discovered that I could lift, I could still lift with a torn pec, uh, with is a slightly torn pec. It wasn't like complete rupture or anything, but I could still lift with that torn pec. If I wore a bench shirt, a bench shirt is a supportive device that powerlifters sometimes use in equipped powerlifting, which allows them to handle more weight. It also will help stabilize the joints and take a lot of pressure off the muscles. And so I was like, you know, this bench shirt thing, like there's something to it. This is pretty amazing. And I was just sitting in the gym one day and I'm like, no one really in a commercial gym would ever wear a bench shirt. 
and Ben shirts are so stiff and weird. Like when you, if you had 225 pounds on and you went to bend your elbows to bench press, 225 pounds would just hover. It just wouldn't even move. You would only bring it halfway down or so. And it'd be impossible to get it to touch your chest in a bench shirt. They don't really work that way. You need more and more weight to kind of shove you down so that you could touch the barbell to your chest. And so I was like, well, you need something more pliable than this. This isn't, this would never work as a commercial product. So I just started thinking, how could I take some of those guys that I've met in the gym that, that are in their forties and fifties who have said, oh man, I remember when I used to lift big. I remember when I used to bench 405. I remember when I used to bench, you know, three plates. How do I get them to still say that they can still do those things? And so that's when I started thinking of a device that would allow you to go full range of motion, that would give you support, that didn't look too weird, um, that also you can get on and off yourself. That yeah, if you weird. do look weird, you can just take it off real quick. All right, I'll wait till that chick walks by <laughs> and put the, the the bench shirt is really, 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 really weird. I've only seen it once. I was up in Canada. You might know the guy. The guy's name is Jay. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I know you're talking about. He's a uh, was an all time world record holder. Uh, oh, he was. Jay, uh, uh, net, net, no, Jay Nera. Nera. There you go. I was up there vi- filming with Devin Lorette, and he was friends with Devin Lorette. Devin's the guy that fought Half Thor, the arm wrestler. Mm-hmm. And I met Jay Nera, nicest guy ever. And that was the first time I saw one of those shirts. And it was bizarre. It is such a, like, I don't know if people really understand what Mark was saying. Like, the shirt is so tight that you can't really bring your, like he was saying, even if you put 220 pounds on the bench, it, it, your arms still are kind of straight. I didn't know it was that much, but man, it's so weird. It's such a trip. I got a question for you too. But keep going with this story. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, the bench shirt is definitely a weird thing. And plus, you need multiple people to help you get it on. And then once yeah, you're that, in it, you're kind of, like, about that. kind of like a zombie. Your arms are out in front of you, and you really literally can't move. It's hard to even, like, drink from a water bottle, you know, when you have a bench shirt on. So it's it's just a weird thing that was adopted by powerlifting. And so I knew that that would never be something the mainstream would uh, be too excited about. Plus it hurt. It was very uncomfortable to wear. It would, it would leave these little raspberries all over your chest and arms. And you, you just looked like you got pinched a million times. And so I wanted to think of a device that would be more comfortable. And uh, like I said earlier, I was always thinking of different products and different, different uh, things to use. I was always thinking about different knee wraps and knee sleeves and all these different things. And I was just like, why not just make something for a bench press and, uh, so I took, I, I had my dad kind of hold two wrist wraps together in the middle and I wrapped them around my arms and I brought my arms back. And as I did that, the Velcro snapped and it hit my dad in the face Ooh. and my dad's like, Oh, that ain't going to work. And we were both kind of laughing, but I was like, no, 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 that's exactly, that's the right feel. Cause when you go to spot somebody on a dumbbell incline bench press, you spot them from like their elbows. And I was like, that's where the support needs to come from. So I just took two knee wraps. I brought them to my wife's friend who uh, sews together. Um, she makes uh, swimsuits for my wife's swim team. And I had her sew two knee wraps together and make kind of a circular flap uh, on the sides so you can put your arms in it. And um, she came back a week later with kind of the first ever prototype of a slingshot and uh, i met her outside of a starbucks in woodland california and i went from i just said hey can you stay here just for a second there's a fitness 19 right over there walked into fitness 19 
just bypass the guy at the front desk as if I was already a member, which I wasn't. <laughs> and uh, I walked over to the bench and did 135 pounds. Did you get all puffy chested when you walked by him? Like, oh yeah, of course. You better yeah. not say nothing. Oh, all I'm right. looking. For, I'm looking for Joe. Is Joe? Joe's here, right? He's in the back. Okay, cool. <laughs> and so I, I, you know, walk in and I do 135 pounds for a few reps with the slingshot on. And I was like, oh my god, this is the right feel. Let me put on a little bit more weight. Put on 225 and was chucking it around, and and it felt like uh, it was really alleviating a lot of tension from my pecs and also a lot of tension from my shoulders and my elbows and when i got up off the bench for that session i just from head to toe was kind of covered in goosebumps because i was like holy shit this is what i've been thinking about for so long like that the thing was in my mind for about three years previously and i went to a few different companies and told them my idea and they're like i don't think there's a place for that like i don't think i don't think it's a good idea I went to a friend of mine who was an investor who just was really banked up. He had a lot of money and I told him about the idea and he's like, Mark, I think that's a terrible idea. And so I kept going to some different people and everyone kind of shot it down and they were like, there's already bench shirts. I don't understand. Why would somebody want to wear something that uh, doesn't allow them to lift as much as a bench shirt? This makes no sense. And I was like, well, it's not for powerlifting. It's, it's more for people that still want to bench press. It's also going to allow people to handle more weight, to be able to do more reps, more sets, be able to handle more volume in a safer fashion because the bottom of the bench press can sometimes be a little dangerous, be a little iffy on the shoulder. And uh, again, yeah, everyone just kind of shot it down. I shot it down myself after a while. I was like, well, this, you know, the, I don't know. They're probably right. It's just probably just, probably just an idea that's... Uh, that's just that an idea, you know, maybe I shouldn't make it. And then, um, I got a call on a, I got a call after I got done with a workout one morning. Um, and it was my dad and my dad said, Hey, your oldest brother, uh, he's dead. He just, he just died. Uh, you know, we're, we're trying to find out more information of what he died from and this and that. And I'm hearing my mom crying and screaming in the background and stuff. And uh, it was probably maybe like three days later. Do you deny I, that when you hear that? What's the brain do when someone tells says something like that? I mean, you know, your your like your uh, your heart like drops down in your stomach, you know, and you feel kind of sick, and you're not like sure uh, how to process the information. My brother was a drug addict, you know, on and off most of his life, so. Have you ever been um, arrested? Yeah, yeah, he's been arrested a bunch. Of no, times. you. Have you ever been arrested? No, no, I haven't. Because I've been arrested a few times, and, and it, it, there's that feeling, mm. or like you accidentally did something really bad to someone you didn't mean to do, like something someone, you did. Yeah, when someone tells you that somebody, when someone tells you that someone's someone's dead, it's it's a really interesting thing because. Like almost like you're on acid, like you lose touch with reality, like you can't keep your shit together. Yeah, you lose touch with reality, you lose touch with like time, and you just kind of, you're just kind of confused, you know, regardless of who it is and how it happened. Yeah. Um, You know, but I was trying to process some of that and trying to figure out, you know, what, like, what the fuck was, you know, but. Anyway, I had a dream a couple days later and my brother was in the dream or I don't know if it was a dream or I don't know if I was awake, 
Um, I don't really know what to believe, but I had a whisper in my ear and it just said, think. And then from that moment on, I was like, you know what? Fuck everybody else. I'm going to do things. I'm going to do things that I think are the right way. I'm going to kind of live the way I want to live, buy shit that I want to buy. I'm going to do things that I want to do. I have a lot of great things locked up inside my body and I'm too reserved and too shy and I'm fucking sick and tired of holding these things back. I need to put them out into the universe because my brother was, my brother was that way. You know, my, if, if my brother, if you pissed him off, he would just flat out tell you why, why he was pissed at you. You know, he, he wore his emotions on his sleeves. I mean, he got into like a lot of fights and things like that. He had some characteristics that were, um, you know, deplorable at times. And the other characteristics where you're like, I would love to be that guy. I would love to be that guy that just punches somebody in the face just because he was like, you know what? Fuck that guy. That guy did me wrong. I'm going to go and punch him in the face. Like sometimes you just want to be that person, you know, but there's a rational side to you that goes, ah, that's probably not a great idea to go and punch anybody in the face, you know, but there's that uh, two sides to most people. And my brother was uh, that kind of one side all the time. And so I was like, you know, what? I'm going to take that characteristic on and, and utilize that to my advantage, but not have it burn me up as well. So how long uh, after you had those two knee sleeves sewed together, did your brother pass? What was the time frame there? I was just a couple of weeks probably. Cause like wow. I said, the, the idea was dormant. It was just sitting there and it okay. just needed to be, it needed, it needed a good kick in the pants, you know, and that, yeah. uh, that was a good kick in the pants. I was like, life's too short. You know, I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to die with a bunch of ideas in my head. And I mean, what's, what good is it for me to keep it myself? I need to get them out there in the universe. And so once I made the slingshot, the next thing was, I was like, I'm going to order thousands of these things, which I don't know why I thought that I needed thousands of them since nothing really like it ever existed before. But I just knew that if I, if I invested in it, that I would figure out, um, I would make my decision correct basically no matter what. So I bought like 4,000 of them. Holy shit. Said, I'm going to, I'm going to, how many, them. how much room does that take? Is that like, that's like a huge box truck full of them, right? It, it's a uh, garage worth. Uh, that's oh, for sure. Shit. And that's, uh, you know, the home that we were renting, we were renting from. That's where we were uh, selling these slingshots from this little what? pink house that was in uh, Davis, California. Mark, hold on, hold on one second. Um, when did you meet your wife? Uh, I met her in like 1999. And and and, um, and so she, and then when did you get married? We got married in uh, or I'm, I met her in '98. We got married in 2000. Okay, so two years later, and so you does she? So you have two kids. You've lost your home, and is she like? Um, Hey dude, maybe we should just order like a hundred prototypes at first or like, I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm sure, sure. Cause a woman's like, not even a woman, a mate is crazy important in times like this. Mm -hmm. Like people, the muse thing is not bullshit. People need like the strongest man in the world needs a, a woman, a good woman holding his hand. If she fucking was, doesn't believe in them, they, the whole fucking thing can get all fucking weird real quick. <laughs> Am I right? Or yeah, no, you're a hundred percent correct. I, I was, uh, you know, right in the middle of my powerlifting career. Um, 
so I was very much focused on that. And there was never a moment where she was like, Hey, you know, um, you spend too much time doing that. You should think about doing something else. There were conversations of like, Hey, like you ever think you're going to get like a job, <laughs> you know, like something that's, uh, different than being like unconventional and just making some getting paid here and there. Cause like I said, I did some stuff with, uh, I did some seminars. I did some personal training. I, nothing was ever from lack of motivation and nothing was ever. So I, you had I discipline motivation, but she wanted you to get a job at Starbucks with health insurance for the family. A little bit, but not really. She knew that okay. that wasn't, she knew that that wasn't really me. And okay. she, she, she saw the discipline. So I think that somewhere, somewhere inside her, she knew that that was going to like turn into something as well. Um, when it came to the slingshot, yeah, she was like, I, you know, <laughs> She's like, I don't know. And I was like, well, let me just, let me just handle it. Cause I think, I really think that this thing's gonna, <clears throat> gonna work. Cause she didn't understand, like, she does understand powerlifting actually pretty well nowadays. Um, but at that time she didn't understand it that much. And she didn't know what kind of calling there would be for people to care about their bench press, you know, cause that's pretty much what the idea is. And, and the website initially was called how much you bench. And so everything was kind of based on this, uh, this one movement, you know, most of the times, if you're going to have an invention that is really powerful, a lot of times it's multifaceted. It's something you can do like a lot of different things with, or it's, um, or it's something that's, uh, that's a consumable, like something that you have to use all the time, like toothpaste or something like that, or food. Yeah. Like a camera, you can shoot porn with it, or you could shoot insects in your backyard with it. Vast, <laughs> huge, yeah. This thing, but 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 you did nail it because every Tom, Dick, and Harry, even even us CrossFitters who are told to hate the bench press, it, it, it's a it's a lie. Everyone loves the bench press. Everyone goes back to the bench press. So in that regard, it's kind of like the it's kind of like food. It's food of the fitness world. It's like everyone does it, right? Even those, yeah, even my, my even the closet benchers. That's right. My wife uh, was always um, was always supportive. But like I said, there was conversation of, you know, I think like you basically have to get a job because, you know, I don't know what the hell we're going to do. But um, there was that conversation or there wasn't there. There was there was. Yeah. yeah. It was just like, I don't. um, My mom was a divorce attorney. And I think she told me one time that 50 percent of all divorces are financially Mm. caused by finances. I think. Yeah. I think that, I think that that's true. But like I said, she's always been, she's always been supportive all the way to the point where she just kind of started taking that on. You know, she started taking on being the person that orders the slingshots and now she's basically the CEO of the company and and runs everything here. Oh, you're lucky. That's so awesome. Tell me about, so these 4,000 come and like, do you know how you're going to sell them? Are you just like slinging them? Like, 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 like too short was slinging cassettes out of his trunk. Basically, yeah, uh, we were we were selling them anywhere and everywhere that we could. Um, I had a friend uh, who was a longtime employee named Little Smokey, uh, who was uh, literally selling him out of the trunk of his car at like a 24 hour fitness. And uh, he would come back like every week and be like, yeah, man, I sold six of them. I sold four of them. I sold 10 of them. And I was like, holy shit, like it's actually really going good. We actually we had a website, uh, of course. Uh, where we were selling, you know, a handful of them uh, every day and we were just selling them whatever way we could. But my whole thing was, you know, I already had, 
I already had some inroads with the internet because I wrote on a website called EliteFTS.com with Dave Tate. Uh-huh. And uh, I wrote under the name Jackass for a while and just trolled everybody on there for a long time. And then after that time was up, we kind of revealed my name and who I was. And so I had a little bit of uh, a little bit of Internet clout at the time. Um, I'm one of the first people on YouTube. I still think to this day there's not anybody in fitness that has more YouTube videos than I do. Um, so we, we already had some good momentum there. And with like um, things like Facebook and those things coming around, it ended up being uh, perfect timing. So how to sell it was never really a question. I was like, I'm just going to tell people how awesome this thing is and show people what it does. And we shot videos. And at that time, there was no other competition. So it was it was pretty it was pretty simple. The success came fast. We went from selling like five of them a day to selling, you know, 20 of them a day to then uh, implementing wrist wraps and knee sleeves and elbow sleeves uh, and all kinds of other different products from there. Um, I remember our neighbor actually looking into uh, our operation uh, that we had at our house. And he was like, you guys need help. He's like, what do you guys have? And the boxes that these things come in, the slingshots come in, it ha- has like a, a mesh thing on the outside. So it just totally looks like drugs. <laughs> looks like we're slanging some drugs. And uh, I was like, oh, I, don't, I don't think we really need any help. We only sell like five of these things a day or whatever. But as we kept moving forward and selling more and more, it turns out we did need help. And uh, that guy is now our logistics guy. And he, he does all our shipping receiving and he has for the last uh, decade or so. And is your dad, next. is your dad, your accountant? Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and he got rid of all his other clients or he still keeps them. Oh no, no. My dad, he works with, uh, my, my dad loves to work. So he works with, uh, he works with a lot of people, works with hundreds of people. I met Mark at a show in the UK a few years ago, lovely, humble guy and really and a real family man had a great conversation about work-life balance. Sevon, you would get along well with him. You'll get along well with him. Dude, he told me I've never been, we started the show in the gutter. <laughs> we can, it can only get better. It can only get better. Um, I, so I used to do this thing where I would, um, I would go around to people's houses who were growing weed. And I would ask, like I would meet them on the internet or something. Um, this is like, I think pre Facebook. And I would, um, I don't know where, like marijuana chat rooms and I would chat them up until like they trusted me. And then I would go to their house and I'd film their grow room, like their lights. They would show me their setup, how they ran their electricity, their airflow, all that shit. Right. And then I would film it and I'd go to like to like five to 10 houses and then I would make it into a DVD. And then I would, and then I would sort of narrate the DVD. This would be all in the bedroom at my mom's house as a 30 year old man, you know? And then I would, um, and then I would put them on eBay and I would call them Seymour Buds volume one. And it was crazy because like I would set like someone would order one, right? The DVD. And I would fucking print it out on my DVD player for like 20 bucks. Some days I'd sell like three and I'd make like 60 bucks. And it was fucking nuts, dude. Having 60 bucks mailed to me for like me just going around filming people's marijuana setups, which is like something I love. So when when you start selling these, then you start having money. Are you tripping? Are you just tripping? Like you're like, holy shit, there's like $5,000 over there. Oh my God, I just paid for all of these. Like were you tripping when you sold enough to pay for the first 4000 
uh, it felt pretty amazing, you know, um, to have financial freedom is, is a real blessing, you know? Um, and I don't think, I don't think you need to be like loaded to have financial freedom. I'm right. just talking about financial freedom to go in, to go into a grocery store and to grab uh, a nice steak and to grab a nice wine and a couple other things and just really not care much about the price or to have your mechanic say, Hey, you know, not only your brakes messed up, but Hey, your transmission's messed up. And you're just like, Hey, just fix whatever you need to fix. And you're not sweating it. Like, man, that when you're tied to, you know, uh, $1,400 mechanic charge and you're tied to, uh, worrying about how much, uh, each meal costs and stuff. It's just, it's just hard. You know, it just makes, it makes everything a little bit more difficult. Um, but I did live my life there for many years. And I think people don't, they don't realize that, you know, they think, oh, well, it's easier for you because you're this or that. And yeah, it is. Fuck. It gets, it's, it's an amazing thing. It's great to be able to afford things. Um, when you when you really like make yourself into something the interesting thing is that a lot of things will be paid for for you like i get free meat from piedmontese a, a, a company that has uh some amazing steak and beef and, and stuff like that um i get free food from a company called uh the the vertical meals from stan efforting so it's like you know you, you as you kind of build yourself up and you build a reputation you're getting these things for free, but as you know, uh, nothing's really, nothing's really free. Everything's earned. And so everything I, is earned. Everything yeah, is earned. Everything's earned. I, I, I did feel good about having the money, but I, I was like, it, it just didn't matter to me much because I'm like, you know what? I'm already a bad motherfucker. You know, like I, I took myself from being a little bitch with like 95 pounds on my back when I was a kid to try to squat, remembering how bad it hurt my neck and my upper traps and my back just to hold the weight on the, of, you know, to have the barbell on my back to being able to squat over a thousand pounds. So I already felt like empowered. I already felt rich. I already felt like I had wealth and I was never short of uh, hugs or kisses or love. Um, in my own household growing up, uh, from my parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, um, even my uncles now, when they see me, they still grab, they grab my cheeks, like aggressively fucking grab my cheeks and they look at my face. They'll give me a kiss. God damn it. And they'll grab me and they'll, they'll fucking kiss me. My grandfather used to say, uh, get over here and give me a kiss before I beat you. <laughs> Cause we're, we're that, that kind of family, you know, we're real close that way. And uh, I'm never short on showing affection to my wife and my kids and stuff, too. So um, I always I've always been very fortunate to feel uh, to feel really good. There have been times where when I wasn't making money, things were more stressful, where I was thinking, yeah, like, man, I, I do need to fucking figure some of this stuff out. But at the same time, I felt so good about myself that I was like, you know what? Shit's going to just work out. Like I'm not a, I'm not a bad person. I'm not a shitty, just cause I didn't go to college just cause I didn't get good grades in school just cause I sucked at school basically. And uh, maybe I don't have some of the same attributes as some other people that I know. That doesn't make me a fucking bad person. If I'm just a good person and I keep putting one foot in front of the other every single day, things are going to work out in my favor and I'll be able to gain uh, financial freedom. I'll be able to have fitness freedom. I'll be able to have 
a lot of freedom to do a lot of the things that I want to do. You, this is the second time you brought up family and love. I, I was raised in a very similar situation. I'm Armenian and I had, you know, five uncles and aunts and it was like, it was almost too much. Like I was always getting my cheeks pinched, my ears pulled. I was always riding on someone's shoulder. Someone always had like a hand up the back of my shirt, rubbing my back, kissing me. My dad was always pulling my ears, biting me. My mom, like every night, like kissed me to death till I went to bed. I mean, it was a fucking, and, and I, and what's crazy is, is now that I have, I have um, three kids and, um, it's so awesome because I just do all of that to them. And like, I totally get why my parents couldn't and my uncles couldn't keep their hands off me. It's just like, it's just, they're just, they're just kids just have healing properties. You just touch them and you feel better. Um, and you also said something else about having two loving parents and that gave you um, an advantage. I, I cannot emphasize enough how much I agree with that. I'm a huge um, believer in, um, in, in, in the writings of Thomas Sowell. He's an economist, 90 year old guy from the Hoover Institute. Is, yeah. Okay. And if you read, start reading some of his books, not you, but, um, the listeners, you will see that the leading correlate for fucking everything is married parents. And that when you start, people start talking about skin color being a correlate or age or any of these other things, you'll realize what horseshit it is. Having two parents is like, it, 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 don't get me wrong. Like my parents were divorced. Um, don't they, like people turn out okay who like both their parents die and they're in an orphanage. Like, you know, there's there's no doubt that hardship makes can make incredible people people that are way better than Mark and myself who had loving parents. Um, a hardship's fantastic if you survive it. <laughs> um, uh, but man, having two parents, congratulations! And it's um it's really impressive to me that you and your wife are still together through all of that. You really have to have – if you don't believe in your mate, don't get married. Like, Yeah, mar marriage is a really – Don't get married really, if you don't believe in them. Marriage is a really interesting thing, but I just think that in terms of like parenting, um, whether people want to actually get married or not or to do it through the eyes of like the court or the church or the government, I do think that maybe some people should reevaluate what they think that means to them. And maybe just discover their own way of being married. I know that, yeah. that sounds like no, no. I'm with you. It sounds a little bit like a farce. Like, oh, well, you're not really married, you know. But are you are you not really married? Like, by like legally? No, I am. But oh. you know, looking back at it, I'm just kind of like, you know, I. I'm only legally married because we already had our first kid, and at yeah. some point, I thought, well, shit. If one of us dies, it'll be so much easier if we legally get married, and that's the right. only reason why we did it. But actually, I'm glad we did. In hindsight, there it was a little bit more profound for me. Than I thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's certainly. I I think that the idea sometimes behind things, like this idea that you know, if we don't, if we, if we allow it to uh, not be illegal to go to school, that we're going to end up with a bunch of young kids that are losers. You know, I think that's the alternative that people think is going to happen. And I think if we, if we recognize that, like so many people are not paying much attention to religion anymore, especially here in the United States. And we start to recognize that more and more people are kind of falling off in terms of how excited they are to actually officially get married. I think that people think everything's going to go to hell. Um, but I, I, I just, I just, I disagree with that. But I, I do understand. I think they just think that everyone's going to go around fucking each other. And but like those things happen anyway. <laughs> those those kind of things happen anyway. I just think we have some traditions maybe in, in this uh, 
we have some traditions that people should probably just rethink because I just think that sometimes people aren't really super thoughtful about something that's super powerful like marriage. And it's like, man, that's a real, could be a real trap. You can get married, have kids, and then feel like you're kind of stuck. People stay together sometimes because of the kids and it gets to be, it can get to be complicated. Have you only been married once? Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. You're in, um, I don't know if this is appropriate to say, but your wife looks like she's getting prettier, like over time. That is appropriate to say. Like she was pretty always, but then like in the, the, and you post a lot of pictures, not a lot, but there's a regular drumbeat of her. So like, if you want to like judge Mark's wife, you can, you can go on his Instagram. I scrolled through all, it took, I mean, I scrolled fast, but I scrolled through all 9,000 some odd posts all the way back to uh, December 4th, 2013. Um, It took like three hours. Um, I, and I did it while sitting on the floor in, in my garage. It was weird. Yeah. Like I just started and I had my notebook next to me and I was like pretending to stretch. And three hours later, I had gone through all your posts. That's awesome. Well, you know, it, she has to get prettier, right? I mean, my stock is going up, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting in better shape. I'm a wealthy man, right? Like she's got to, she's got to pay. She's a, sounds like she's a wealthy woman. <laughs> uh, she, she's doing great. And I'm amazed by her uh, every day. And you said, you know, if you're not excited about your spouse, then uh, don't pull the trigger. And I couldn't agree more. I'm excited by her every day. Every day I see her, I'm like, get over here, give me a kiss, <laughs> you know? And uh, we just, we try to make time to not even try. We make time for each other just to stop each other in our tracks and just say, Hey, I love you. You know, I care about you. I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of us. This is fucking awesome. Like just why not just recognize and we don't have to be doing anything. You know, um, I noticed that a lot of couples are preoccupied with doing shit. They're preoccupied with going out. They're preoccupied with going on vacation. They're preoccupied with a lot of things that like, oh, they're going to, you know, we're going to get a dog or we're going to move or we're going to get a new car. Like there's so many things that people throw, I think, in the way. And I have a lot of these things in my life as well, but my point is, is that my favorite part of the day and my my most exciting moments of the year are just driving home from the gym and going to my home with my wife and kids. I don't need to be going anywhere. I don't need to have something to, I don't need to have this next thing kind of hovering over me. And I see a lot of people doing stuff like that. And it, it just kind of, I'm like, man, they're always kind of on the move and they're not, they don't have a home life. I'm not saying you can't travel and shit like that, but I'm just saying like you need to have some togetherness and some stillness of just dealing with life in the moment and not having all these external things going on all the time. Alcohol is another great example of that. People drink way, way too much Um, and just care about each other, love each other just for the company and not for the fact that you're going to, Hawaii or, or or Disneyland or whatever it might be. Like, why can't you just enjoy each other and enjoy some good food and just hang out? Um, are, are you a homebody? I mean, not really. I mean, I get around a lot, but we're, we're home a ton, you know, um, you know, four I'm or five a homebody. Days, yeah. Four or five days a week. We're, we're eating dinner together. You know, I don't, I don't know. How I don't want to go anywhere. Do yeah. You have a, I, do you have a yard, a nice yard? I do. Yeah. I got some, I got some acreage and, and stuff like that, but you know, for me, I, I, I like to go other places, but 
like I said, I, I like being at home and being like in my rhythm and having my kind of normal schedule. David McFadden, I fucking love Mark Bell. That's you. That's you. Thank you, David McFadden. Um, there was this thing. Let me see if I can find it here. While I while I look for it, I'm going to tell you a story and see if, if it resonates. I had a guy on yesterday named Lika Veli. He's a rapper, and he has a song mark, and it's called. Oh, go ahead, check. Go, you check your phone. I'll, I'll look for this. Check Lika Veli. Yeah, do you know who Lika Veli is? Mm-mm. Can you read? What do you What do you look at? Who texts you? Who texts you? People are blowing me up. Telling you how handsome you are. They're like, dude, I can't believe you did this podcast. This is sick. <laughs> oh no, wait, we're not live, are we? We are live. <laughs> Uh, okay. Here it is. Here it is. I want to tell you about this rapper I had on yesterday, Lika Veli. And then, but first I want to tell you this while I found it in one of your posts, it says, um, attract success. And, and in that post, and, and, and you have a lot of posts, you probably don't remember it, but it finally made me understand what that means to attract success. And it's, um, uh, when you, at least the way I understood it from, from what you were writing, it was basically, you were saying something like, if you, if you are a, if you, if you are a disciplined person, you will also, um, attract disciplined people. So like there was this girl in college that I fucking really, really liked and like some meth came around our group. And so we all started doing meth. And then like after a month, like, like there was like 30 or 40 of us after like a month, like half of us stopped. Right. Was like okay, that was fucking a trip, right? And then and then the other half kept going, and then after like two months, that half stopped, and then the other, you know, now it's down to like seven people, and they kept going. Then after like three months, they stopped, and then it, you know, every every month, like you could tell, like oh shit, th- I mean, I don't know if you've ever done that shit, but that shit's like hard yeah. on you. No, it's so hard on you. It's so hard on you. But it's fun. It's really fun, but it's really it's hard. It feels amazing. There's got to be some reason why people do it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, people like will start sucking dick for it. Who like never thought that they would suck dick. I mean, it's it's it, it can throw your whole shit out of whack, right? Your your priorities and what you're willing to do to get what you need. But this girl, I really fucking liked her. But she was part of the crew that was going down, and she was fucking great. She was smart. She was a fucking uh, division one athlete. She fucking had all her shit together. But as she started going further and further down that path, I just realized like I was. I, I found that I found it unattractive i didn't see it as a successful um formula for life and as in my in my life like i as now i'm 40 how old are you mark 44 do you dye your hair no holy shit (laughs) do you have any gray hair yeah yeah there's a little bit coming through here but yeah this is this is from my papa my dad damn you're rocking you're like Tom Selleck, but all buff and shit. So, um, so, uh, I, I like n- now today, like I realize I have such crazy discipline and because of that, I attract great people. Like I really, I really avoid added sugar. I really avoid refined carbohydrates. I, I make sure I exercise like every single day. There's some sweating going on. You know what I mean? I, I stay, I stay positive. I pick up as soon as I get to the skate park, I pick up all the trash, you know, so that my kids don't have to skate in a trash year. Like I just do like just things that I'm privileged to do because I have hands and eyes and a heart, you know? And, um, and I, and I, before I read that post of yours, that's that, um, you want to attract success. I thought it was like some like mystical new age shit, but it's not, it's like, it's like really fucking practical. 
no one wants to hang out. Like you could be the coolest dude in the world, but if you always smell like cigarettes, like there's like, no one wants to hang out. Like I've had great friends. Like I've, I, like I, I have a, a propensity to be addicted to nicotine. Have you ever fucked with nicotine? No. Oh, it's another, it's brutal. And so like now I don't want to like, I like, I don't want to interact with people who are addicted to nicotine. Cause I don't want to get addicted to it again. Cause it's a motherfucker. Mm. So I just want to say thank you for that. Yeah, you know, I think um, people are trying to chase down success, and I think it can be a mistake. Um, I also think that people don't have good definitions for themselves on what they think is successful. Mm -hmm. They may not have selected um, like a role model. Like I, I think, I think there's nothing wrong with saying like, I don't really dig this guy. I like this guy's content. I, I, I like, I like a lot of what he does. I'm going to try to mimic a little bit of what I see from him. I, I don't know his personal life. I don't know if he does meth on the side. I don't know what the guy does, but I like that he talks about, I like that he's family forward. I like that he eats pretty well. Looks like he has fun too. I see him drinking with his wife here and there. Like I'm going to put some of those ideas forward, but I think sometimes people uh, don't have like a defined goal or a definition that they, uh, that they know what success is for them. Um, I think sometimes people just think they want to be like rich or famous, but they don't have a definition of that either. Like when, when is going to be enough? When is that going to roll over into it being the achievement that you were looking for? Uh, do you have to have 500,000 followers on Instagram? Do you need to be in a movie? Do you have to be on TV consistently? Like, can you be in one TV show or like, you know what I'm saying? You have to really try to define uh, what these things are that you're even attempting to chase. But I'd also say, don't even chase anything. Don't chase success. Don't even chase down goals. I would even break people down and say, don't really necessarily have goals. I would say that take the James Clear method and just have a system in place that is going to get you to a goal if you just simply follow it. And in that way, it's more like it's mathematical. You know, did you do your cardio today? Well, I guess if you didn't do your cardio today or if you didn't do, if you didn't eat the way you were, you, um, the way that you thought is in your current best interest, then it turns out you're not as interested as you originally thought you were. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with having like a goal. But I think the problem that people run into is it's not really a defined goal. So they're like, I just want to get in better shape. Well, what is that? You know, what are we talking about here? What are you, what are you trying to do? Also, what's wrong with having some low hanging fruit? What's wrong with, um, think about the way little what's kids. What's that mean? Date ugly girls? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Date. Yeah. Date. Well, if you can't find a date, start out with ugly girls, you know, right. start out. Uh, start out with whatever you think uh, is going to be uh, the thing that gets the ball rolling for you because momentum is a motherfucker. You know what? Once I think that people don't understand that motive and motivation literally come from movement. You, it's hard to sit down on the couch and be depressed about a certain situation and see a video that has inspiring stuff in it. And that is motivational but your brain at that moment is not healthy enough to receive the message properly for you to get up off the couch and be inspired to run. That might happen. 
that, that can happen. It does happen. But it usually only happens in pe- people that are healthy in the first place. You know, in order to adopt healthy habits, you have to have a healthy mind. It makes it more difficult to adopt much of anything when there's kind of like chaos going on. But I see people are, <clears throat> they are almost like the pursuit of a woman that's out of your league. Guys that are able to figure that out, they don't pull. They don't pull towards. What do they do? They do the opposite. <laughs> Push away, you know, give give the girl the Heisman, give her the stiff arm. And a, a lot of times, a lot of times they're going to be intrigued to find out more about you when you do that kind of stuff. And I think success is the same way. If you if you push success away and you are just pretending as if you don't even know that it's there, if you continue to take the right steps day in and day out, you'll one day bring your head up and you'll look and there'll be a whole group of people telling you that what you did was great. And then you go, huh? What are you talking about? And they'll say, hey, look how far you traveled. Look how fucking, look how you, you walked a thousand miles. Look at how far you came. You lost a hundred pounds. You know, you squatted a thousand pounds. You were able to do this and that. And you're like, you kind of look around and you're like, I, are they talking, are they talking about me? I'm not even really sure what they're talking about. All I was doing is doing the right steps every day. So that's the way I look at it is that you, you attract success by being an attractive person. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with your looks lining up with the way that everyone thinks is, is super attractive. It's having attractive habits. And uh, like what you said was really well said, really well put. I think everyone, you know, knows that beautiful girl that would just drink a little too much. And then you see her like throwing up or seeing her just like not looking so good at the end of the night. And you're like, uh, that is not, that's not as good as I thought it would be to kind of hang out with that person. So, you know, you, if you want success, you attract it by becoming an attractive person and by adopting uh, the many, many great habits that you would need to do that. Have you had Miranda on your podcast, Miranda Alcarez? I have. Yeah, it's kind of a long time ago, but I should probably revisit that again. What she a was fu- great. What a crazy success. Do you follow what her and Julian are doing with street parking at all? Oh, like, I know they're just crushing it. Yeah, they're doing a great job with their uh, online coaching and and training and stuff, right? Yeah, and they just had this their community's crazy, man. They got 32,000 people that are just like in love with each other. The whole community has such great synergy. I watch from afar and uh and I and I'm just like so um I'm inspired. I'm uh motivated. I I just I like I like just what she's doing for humanity, but they just had a gathering in um Las Vegas with their community and uh she sent me a uh, uh some videos from there and I was just watching them. I'm not I'm not I uh we both have kids so we share kids kids ideas mm-hmm. in the DMs and texts, but I guess you could say we're friends such a it's such a it's such a weird it's such a weird world like i i admire her and i talk and i probably dm with her like almost daily but I, it's still weird like but i don't ever see her so is she my friend you know <laughs> but, but anyway so my, my my point was is that i had her on the show this a uh, uh, long time ago and while i was going through her instagram i saw this post and it said successful people have have these three things and it was like 
habits, good habits, passion. And there was another component. I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was discipline. And that she was, it was basically like saying, Hey, you don't need goals. And it kind of set me free because my whole life I've never had goals, but I'm like a crazy habit person. And one of my habits is always to keep refining my habits and I'm crazy disciplined and I love fucking structure. And, um, kind of crazy structure, chaotic structure, but I like structure. Right. And I like staying in my loop and, uh, and you kind of were just nailing that. And like all my things that happened in my life happened because I had good habits and I kept one of my habits is to keep refining my good habits. Right. And then shit just started happening. You, every summer, if you plant something in your backyard, even if the gophers are eating 30% of my trees, 10, 10 years from now, it's like, Oh shit, I have more avocados than I know what to do with. And it's such a great feeling. There's one thing I find really interesting is like I I end up sharing out a lot of information that's just like this. And this is the stuff that doesn't get uh, viewed much. This is the stuff that doesn't get as many likes and stuff. But what's encouraging about it is that it's the long game. It's the long game. And what I'm encouraged by, though, is that when I run into people. And they say, hey, you know, I really love this, the content and I love this. I love that. They'll refer to one of those posts and they'll say that post hit me at the right time or it hit me when I needed it most. And thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. And it makes it all worth it, you know, because I I just posted a, an amazing post from Ben Patrick, who's doing a seminar at my gym uh, this Sunday. Uh, he's the knees over toes guy. Oh, I tried to get him on the podcast. He wanted to schedule out till 2028. I was like, ah, I might be dead. <laughs> He's a busy, a busy son of a bitch. But you know, I, I think uh, people they they're they just they're looking for the quick stuff. But if you hang in there and you and you watch some of the long content, I was listening to shit this morning that I did not want to listen to. We have a guest on the show later today that's going to deep dive into fucking every little nuance thing. Uh, that you can possibly think of when it comes to like supplements and stuff. I love all that stuff, but I only like it on the the outer part. I don't like listening to it real deep, but as I listened to it real deep, there was so much that I started to get from it. And I think that I, I wish that more people would be, I know you only have so much time on your hands and stuff like that, but I wish that people would consume the longer content, even when it is on Instagram, even when it is on TikTok. it's only like three minutes long, but go and watch what Ben Patrick talks about because he talked about having like 20,000 followers on Instagram to having, uh, he's got like probably over a million now. His shit's going crazy, but he talked about how he got there. And he's like, I had no entertainment for the last five years. He's like, no pornography, no movies, no this, no that. But he went into the reasons on why if, for him, he felt that it was in his best interest to double down and to really focus in on his craft and to focus in on his work and to focus in on his job. Then he went on to talk about this story about when he was a little kid, how he raised money to get a Michael Jordan rookie card. It was like 700 bucks or 500 bucks or something. He told parents, he told friends and family that, Hey, you know, Christmas birthday, only give me money, you know, and he worked and he traded cards and did all these things. And he ended up with a Michael Jordan rookie card. So it doesn't mean that for everybody that that's what's going to, that it's always going to take, that much attention that you have to be that much of a savage to get to where you're going. But for a lot of people, it's going to mean that there's going to be, there's going to be some FOMO. There's going to be some, like there's going to be some sort of sacrifices that you're going to have to make uh, as you want to go towards your goal. 
anytime that you veer off of the particular system that you're following to get you in the direction that you want to go, just understand that it's because it's because you're not quite as interested as you thought and or you don't mind it taking a little bit longer time. And for me, I never cared that if it took a longer time because people would always say, oh, you can't you can't have, a, you know, a family and can't have this and can't have that when you're trying to be an entrepreneur because you won't have time for it. And I'm like, well, let's see. Let's fucking test it out. You know, people say, you know, along the way, uh, you know, because I used to be 330 pounds. Now I'm 230 pounds. I'm under 10 percent body fat. People say, well, you can't really enjoy a drink. You can't really eat what you want here and there. You. You're going to have to stay really, really disciplined. Stay under 10% body fat. Like that's a, that's a tough thing to lose hundred pounds. That's a tough thing. You're going to have to be super focused. But what if you're just like, Hey, you know what? I don't give a fuck how long it takes me because greatness cannot be timed. Greatness is something that you do regardless of how long it takes you. So for me, I'm like, I don't care if it takes 10 years, but I'm still going to get there. I'm still getting in better shape. I'm still getting a little stronger. I'm still improving. I went from not being able to run at all to now I can probably run two or three miles pretty easily, which is no, is not a, it's not amazing Dude, but to go amazing. from zero to be able to run something is, uh, I think fairly substantial. So that's the way I look at a lot of things. You lost a hundred pounds. Crazy. Some Hector wrote, um, you record you, your goal is to record 500 podcasts. You know, when I make that goal, um, sorry, Mark, there's a, a little bit of backstory there, but basically I've told people I'm going to do 500. My goal is just to race to 500 podcast and then, and then like either tap out or keep going. But, but how this thing started is, is I really wanted to spend a lot of time with my kids and I ended up started doing this podcast and I still spend a lot of time with my kids. It's the only thing I do besides this podcast. But, um, anyway, uh, I don't know, Hector, if I would say that it was a goal, it's more like an out for me. It's more like uh, I can't. How can I? There's there's probably a good metaphor simile for it. But I didn't. I I just want. I want to see. I didn't set 500 goals as like the goal. Like I need to get to 500. I want to find an out. I need to see the end of this. Even if it's not the real end, I'm okay lying to myself and tricking myself. I need to know that like it, it's sort of like it's sort of like um it's sort of like motivation. Like if I bought this new microphone and it was $500, I would be like, oh fuck, I better do 30 podcasts with this. Even if I don't want to, or if I so like, um, uh, if I did, uh, uh, steroids or SARMs, I would, I, it would, it wouldn't, it would be motivation to do two workouts a day. I wouldn't do that to like, and then, um, and then not do that. It would have a double whammy. It might actually help me and make me stronger and recover, but it would also be a psychological motivation. Like, Hey, I don't want to waste this, um, so, so that, I don't know if I would say that my 500 is a goal, but maybe I'm lying to you. Maybe I do have goals. I don't know. Yeah. I think we all have, we all have some goals and I, I you know, hopefully I didn't paint the wrong picture there, but. But again, habits are crazy important, man. Habits. Yeah it's, yeah. it's the habits and the systems that you have surrounding those. I mean, a simple thing, a simple thing. Uh, like, let's say that you enjoy music. Well, if you enjoy music and you're a guitarist, then you probably have maybe some aspirations of playing the guitar and maybe to someday do it live. So yes, you do have a goal, but what's going to get you to the goal. The fastest is not necessarily thinking about that goal every day. What will get you there. The fastest is just having easy access to your guitar where your guitar is in a good spot 
where you can jam on it every day and you can practice and you can mess around with it every day rather than, you know, keeping it in the closet or having some other, uh, you know, way, anytime there's going to be interference or interruption of anything. That you, that's why I love walking because it's like it doesn't really require much. I just need a certain amount of appropriate clothes depending on like the weather and I need some shoes and I can get going on it. And so just trying to trying to put systems in place, I think, is the key to being successful. You can have a goal, um, but I think, again, I think it's really helpful to define the goal. And I also think it's important to have, if you are going to have goals, to have like little markers that are super easy to get to, that low-hanging fruit that we talked about earlier. Um, For example, when I do my run, a lot of times I'm doing like a walk run. So I'll walk and I'll just be like, all right, well, I'm going to run from here to that stop sign. Or for today, anytime there's a hill, I'm going to run. Anytime there's a, uh, anytime I'm going around something, I'll run that part of it or something like that. I call these head games. I do all that shit. And when you do it. Carrots and shit everywhere. Carrots and prizes and natural signals. Great way of putting it. It's almost like I'm running around playing Pokemon Go. If I see a Tesla drive by me, I'm going to run a block. (laughs) <laughs> like just play the fucking game. Yep. And I'll even, I'll even run some songs. You know, I, I've run yep. like yesterday. I ran for four different songs and, and I've kind of just accidentally picked songs that were fucking long. And I was like, Oh shit, this is kicking my ass. But uh, <laughs> just going to that song, you know, it just, it's in a sense of accomplishment and you got to think about it this way. It's something that you told yourself that you're going to do. And then you followed through with it. And it's like, Holy fuck, man. I really can, I really can hold my word, especially to myself. Like, that's awesome. This other thing in my life might be shitty at the moment, or I don't have control of this or that, but I got control of this today. You know, that I'm going to have two servings of vegetables for the day. I'm going to have two servings of fruit for the day. And I'm going to make sure I get my protein in for the day. It's like, bing, 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 just racking up the points. Keep putting up on the scoreboard. Just realize that you're um you probably don't give a fuck. You're not an Instagram whore like me, but um I just realized I, I didn't change your name. It's Mark Smelly Bell. I'm gonna change it right now, Mark. Smelly Bell. Oh, ah. Do you guys use um StreamYard? No, I don't think so. What do you guys use for your podcast to go live? Um, I think we're uh live on a bunch of different stuff, but what do we use to go live, Andrew? Andrew will pop in here for a second, I think. I don't have my camera on, but no, we were using uh, Restream.io, and that was allowing us to stream basically almost anywhere. Like the, But the main two things were uh, YouTube and Facebook, but it allowed you to do like Periscope and some of these other like kind of like dead streaming uh, platforms. And so these um, days, all we do is just uh, stream straight to YouTube now. Okay. We were using Riverside, and mm, we just switched to... I, I thought I thought it was I mean you know technology it's so fucking amazing until you find better technology like Riverside was like oh my god I can beam to Afghanistan and now it's like I'm on StreamYard and like I can change Mark's Instagram on the fly I ah. mean I would really look at StreamYard like so right now we're on Facebook YouTube Twitter Twitch and like eventually I'm gonna I have to I have to like have an IQ of over 90 to go to Rumble and like I'm hovering around 89 so like I'm just gonna like pinch my butt cheeks together and get us on rumble soon in the next month. 
But man, StreamYard is dope. I highly recommend checking it out. And maybe your shit's better. I don't know. I don't know your shit. But this is we'll it's, it it's crazy. So like just so easily I can just push a button and then just share a screen so easy. And it would just like shove uh, – um, uh, here, I'll do it. Share screen, click on this Chrome tab, double click, uh, Mark Bell on duck, duck. Oh no, no, here. I'll do Nicki Minaj. Like this is like one of my favorite songs and, uh, bam, you know, bam, done. And then unshare the screen. I mean, it's just cool. I don't know. Gives, I, it's awesome. Do you like Nicki Minaj, Mark? I can't believe we had, we just had her on. That was amazing. <laughs> Shout out to Nicki Minaj. Thank you for your time. Do you like her as a as a as an artist? Absolutely. You do. Do you have a? Uh, you didn't. You didn't seem as excited as I would be. How about uh, Lil Wayne? You like Lil Wayne? I fucking love Lil Wayne. I, I love. Uh, you know any of these artists that are kind of at the top of their game? I love it, man. I think it's. I think it's awesome. You know, I went to. Um, I went to a, a pretty big concert out here in. Uh, it was in Napa and it was uh, called Bottle Rock. And uh, just so people know, nothing big happens in Napa. So there's the oxymoron that uh, Mark Bell just said. That's right. There was, uh, we had like Guns N' Roses was there. And holy uh, cow. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was a, a bunch of Miley Cyrus was there. Um, Where the fuck do they play in Napa? Just some yeah. rich dude had him, like, like one of these actors had him at their vineyard. It was uh, just at a big like fairground type thing, and wow. uh, it, it just went. It went uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and um, yeah, it was cool, man. My son, my son was into it. My son uh, plays a guitar, so uh, he was kind of into uh, checking out some of the bands and stuff like that. But yeah, we had a great time, and and watching, you know, getting an opportunity to watch like Miley Cyrus, uh, you know, whether I like love all her songs or not or whatever. It was just incredible to see her on stage and to see her perform. She's a fucking savage. I mean, she's amazing at what she does. So, yeah, I, sorry I, to uh, hear. I'm sorry to hear that. I was hoping that Slash put it in her ass, but that's just my. I mean, that's just my tainted view of what I know about them from the internet's. Right, right. Yeah, no. I, I mean, Guns N' Roses was awesome. Um, I, every, you know, there a lot. There was a lot of great performances that weekend, but I dig it. I, I think that one of your characteristics that makes you so wonderful as a human being is, is that you are, um, you're pretty free. And what do I mean by pretty free? I mean that you're not, you don't feel like you have to hide a lot and, 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 and yet you're, you're, and you're also not at a frenetic pace. You're, you're like you said, you're laid back. So there's this, um, there's not really an ulterior motive. You you you're the earth circling the sun every 365 days. You rotate yourself. You're pretty consistent. And and what made me th- th- there's honesty, integrity and freedom. They're kind of all intertwined and you have cultivated all of them. I don't know if you had them your whole life, but this is the example that I was thinking of. I had this rapper on yesterday named Lee Cavelli. And I had him on because he has this song and it's called Let the White Kids Say Nigga. And he's a black dude. And um, and I was we started the show by saying, I was like, can you imagine this is me saying this to a black dude? Can you imagine being born onto a planet? And when you get there, 
there's a word waiting for you that if anyone else says you're supposed to be offended by and fucking have to fight someone for. What a fucked up situation to be in. Who the fuck would do that to you? Why would you want to be born on a planet where there's already something that you have to be offended by? Fuck that. And I'm so fucking proud of you that you're saying, nah, I'm not doing that. 25 years old, I'm not playing that finger fuck. I'm done with that fucking game. Let the white kid say nigga. Like, I'm done with it. I get it. And he was respectful. He's like, yeah, let the, I understand the older generations being offended by it. But like, I'm not, I don't, it, 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 um, being offended is the opposite of enlightenment. And it, it's, it's um, self-oppression. And he, and it was just, it was one of the longest podcasts I've ever done. It was so awesome. So how does this relate to Mark Bell? Because the, it's, it's all around the steroid talk. You made this movie with your brother that basically from, and I, and I am dying to know what your perspective on this is where it all gets down to what, if, if I'm even close to being right, you made this movie about yourself that set you free. Like now there's nothing else. To, it's like when my girlfriend caught me cheating on her. Everyone else would be dreaded by that. I was like, oh, thank God. So fucking tired of hiding. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm assuming that's what it's like finally telling your parents you're gay. Was it, how was that when you did that? Um, uh, you're just, it's like, Jesus Christ. It was so stupid. Like, so what? Yeah. Um, and, and, and then, and sorry, sorry. And once you admit that, that, okay, yeah, I take steroids and, and not. <laughs> Damn it. I see you. Do you see me? I see you. Yep. 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 We had. Okay. Did you hear any of that fucking dramatic monologue I gave? How about that? I, I did not. You didn't hear any of that. (laughs) Damn it. I definitely heard the the movie. Did the movie set you free? Um, you know, uh, not, I, you know, not really. I, you know, um, Let's see here. Uh, So performance enhancing drugs are like they were, but it's said in the movie. um, One of the guys in the movie says steroids are as American as apple pie. He tells that to my brother. (laughs) I've always thought the same thing. I've always thought they're like kind of part of our culture. Um, and they're part of other cultures too. They've been used like by the Russians, I think as early as like the thirties or forties or something ridiculous like that, like way, way before whatever the case is, maybe I'm saying a little too early, but whatever the case is, uh, you know, performance enhancing drugs have been involved in like the Olympics and been around for a really long time. From the time I was a kid, um, I didn't idolize and look up to, um, a lot of athletes that weren't on performance enhancing drugs. You know, I looked up to like Hulk Hogan, ultimate warrior, Randy Macho Man Savage, like these top level, uh, WWF wrestlers. Now it wasn't really truly known whether they did or didn't. People didn't talk about it that much, but the gyms that I went to as a kid in Poughkeepsie, New York, um, 
guys would talk about, yeah, I'm on, I'm on a Diana ball cycle because I'm getting ready to power, you know, to do this competition in three weeks. And it was just kind of, it was just talked about a little bit here and there. People weren't like, you know, real out in the open with it, but it also wasn't like this dirty secret. Um, people talked about it, like my, some of the trainers and coaches and stuff that I knew, they'd say, oh, you're, you're just, you're, you're way too young. Like, there's no point, like, there's no point. Like, you're going to, they're like, Mark, you're gonna make progress pretty much every time you step foot in the gym. So there's the reason why you take them sometimes is because your progress may, may halt, or you want to try to take it to another level. Well, you're already getting on another level just by being consistent since training is new for you, since you're a teenager and your hormones are going crazy and stuff. And so it was just sort of like, it was just part of the culture. And then also in powerlifting, powerlifting, um, when I started out in powerlifting, I was in a drug tested federation, but there are drug tested federations and there's non-drug tested federations. And in the non-drug tested federations, no one's really complaining. In the uh, tested federations, every once in a while, someone will be like, oh, I think so-and-so is a little suspicious. I don't know how they're passing the test. But in general, you know, no one cares. It's like these two divided leagues and uh, no one really makes a huge deal of it. Once you get outside of that and you start getting into the general public and the general population, that's when they have a misunderstanding of like what's going on and what's happening. And I, I kind of think that people just throw around the word steroid and they think that it maybe you know, automatically does something for you, um, or automatically does something to you. Um, it, it does help. It helps you build muscle mass. Um, people will sometimes refer to the study where I think for several weeks, there was a group that took steroids and a group, uh, and a group that didn't and both groups trained and, or I'm sorry, the group that was natural worked out and the group that was taking performance enhancing drugs didn't work out and the uh the uh group that took steroids improved their bench press without working out maybe a little bit more even so than the natural people that were working out um but you know th those things are you get to play that card one time you know steroids will give an increase in muscle mass one time they don't give you increase in muscle mass in perpetuity so Whatever your genetic potential is, you you might reach your genetic potential to a certain degree. No one really knows what that is. Then if you take steroids, it might give you a bump, 5%, 7%, 10%. I don't know what the percentage is, but you get it one time. You don't get to do it forever. And then from there, you would have to continue to take more and more drugs or get into different kind of drugs if you're trying to be like a pro bodybuilder or something of that nature. But still the underpinning thing and the thing that would still need to be worked on a lot is your habits. And there's not a steroid for that. You can't take, I mean, there's things now that you can take that can help with dopamine and serotonin. I think if you figured it out the right way, maybe you can come up with something, but there's not something that's going to replace the cardio work that you do. There's not something that's going to replace the hour of training that you're going to do. Um, they kind of help with recovery, but they also allow you to do more. And whenever you can do more, you end up with a little bit more damage. So just because you take steroids doesn't mean you don't feel your workouts. Doesn't mean that you're not sore. 
So there's tons of misconceptions about it. But for me, you know, saying that I took them in the movie, um, it did feel really good just to kind of flat out say that I did them. Um, but it didn't necessarily feel like I was holding on to any sort of secret, especially because like just how big and strong I was. I was like, if anyone knows anything about anything, um, you know, I bench pressed 705 pounds in the movie and I squatted like 900 pounds in the movie or something like that. So it's like, you know, and I just looked fucking jacked. I'm just thinking like anyone that has been working out for even a couple months and has read a couple magazines and stuff, they probably know that people utilize these drugs. So it wasn't like some sort of big coming out party or some big. Uh, yeah, review. I'm not, so then where does it come from? Where does this sort of this honesty and integrity um are you uncomfortable lying um i i well i for, i think everyone lies i mean there's like there's there's some sort of stat that uh an adult can't go more than like 10 minutes without a lie so maybe even what i just said is a lie i don't know people <laughs> lie all the time um i i i'm a liar i lie all the time about stuff it just you just do sometimes. I don't know why exactly, but so I'm not going to say that I'm, you know, afraid to lie or that I can't lie or some sort of super, uh, immensely honest person. Um, but I, you know, just like anybody else, I just, I try to do my best. I, I do think it's important to give people information and it's important to give people like context to the information. I wrote an article for my own magazine years ago about how I got in shape but I also listed out all the different things I was using at the time. Cause I'm like, I can't leave these things out. This doesn't make any sense. Testosterone. While I did say that testosterone is not going to necessarily just like do all the work for you. It is a motivating factor. Like if you have low testosterone, then you would know what I'm talking about because you don't even want to get up off the couch. You might even be kind of depressed, but if your testosterone is optimized, not necessarily through the roof, but if it's optimized, that is encouraging to go do stuff. And uh, testosterone will make work even more encouraging. So when you get in the middle of work, you'll be even more invigorated and even more fired up to do the work. So I felt it was really important to list out. It's like, hey, I'm on some thyroid medication. I'm using testosterone and just like whatever else I was doing at the time. I was like, I need to say this this way because I don't want somebody else to read it and say like, all right, I'm going to do what Mark did and I'm going to lose, you know, 50 pounds this way. I was like, well, they need to know the whole story. They need to know that it's not just, it wasn't just the diet. The diet is a big factor. And I would conjecture and say that I would end up with really great results without the pharmaceuticals. But I'm like, I don't know any other way. This is the way that I did it. This is the way I chose to do it. So I'm going to share it that way. When you started, when, when, the, what really got me like, um, doing backflips over you is when I, when you start, when I saw se September, because I'm like a huge, huge, huge walker. Um, me and my wife now, like my whole life, I've just been a huge walker. I've always been into like walking. Okay. I'm going to walk across town. It's 20 miles, or I'm going to get up like two, four in the morning and walk to this job interview at, that's at 9am. That's 12 miles away. Like I just always thought that that was cool. And I was always, I went through the whole hippie phase. I was barefoot for two years and I just always just walking's dope. Um, when you walk the, I don't know if I've ever walked 50 miles straight when, you, when, uh, that uh when did, did you injure yourself doing that by any chance or how how long did it take to recover from that 
Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty crazy. You know, like, um, I saw videos of people talking about it and, uh, my son is actually the one that brought it up to me. He just said, how many steps do you do in a day? And I was like, I don't know. I do like 10 or 20,000 here and there. It really wasn't that crazy at the time. And he's like, yeah, one day you should just do like a hundred thousand steps. <laughs> Your son yeah. told you this. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my he's God. Good dude. Looked, yeah. So then I looked it up online and, uh, turns out there were some people that did it and they were complaining about their feet and stuff during the walk. They like vlogged it. And, um, I'm like, man, I think these guys are pussies. It can't be that bad, you know? But I'm like, it does take a long, I mean, it takes, you know, almost all day. It does take many, many hours to go that far. So I really wanted to join you under the shovels, man. I like, that would have been dope. Yeah. I really wanted to do that. Okay. Sorry. That go on. Been really cool. Um, and so like, you know, during it, it wasn't that bad. Um, but there were times where, it felt like my legs were going to cramp up and stuff like that a couple times. And I was drinking water and doing stuff. I tried to sit down here and there, but like, um, nothing would alleviate the tension. And so what I started doing is I started walking backwards here and there. Oh yeah. But, yeah. I saw that in the video. Yeah. As you get fatigued and tired, you know, you're just like, man, if I have a misstep, I don't know what's going to happen anyway. Um, you started During getting stiff. That is, is that what it's like stiff and like seizing up like the tendons, like all the wires yeah. inside of you, whatever those wires are called, the tendons and ligaments, they start to, yeah, you start, start to get, start to get really stiff. You start to feel it a lot in your shoulders and even like your upper back and stuff like that. And, uh, it got to a point where it kind of became a battle of like attrition. You know, you had to, I had to avoid the, the sun for a while and stuff. Cause it was getting warm. I was like, I can't really walk that way anymore because that way there's no shade and I'm going to get crushed. And uh, so I had to think about it more. And I started getting like a rash on the back of my legs. I don't know what the hell that was. So there was some weird shit going on. But but all in all, like the entire walk wasn't that wasn't that crazy. Um, but the aftermath was my ankle swelled up quite a bit. And it took me like it took me like six or seven days to be like maybe even more, maybe more like eight days or so to be kind of back to normal. I gained a ton of weight from it, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. That's weird. Is that inflammation or like what? Like Yeah. I think it was a lot of inflammation. Um, it was hard for me to get like the, 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 the swelling out of like my legs. So I had to like put my, I had to lay down on my back and kind of put my feet up, get my feet up above like my heart basically. And, uh, I had to do that for a couple of days. So it was, it was, uh, it was definitely, you know, harder than I uh, anticipated. I've had my hands swell on walks. It's weird. Yeah. Like you can't even close them. It's so weird. Yeah. They get real puffy from kind of, if you're swinging your arms pretty good. Yeah. Real puffy. Oh God. I hope I wasn't doing that. I hope I didn't look like one. I try to look cool when I'm, when I'm walking. <laughs> um, do you follow the CrossFit scene at all? Do you know, do you know who Ricky Garrard is? The guy who popped for um, SARMs? Uh, yeah, I'm a little bit aware of it. Yeah. And I saw that guy was like just crushing everybody one year and yeah, he got popped. Yep. Yeah. So I, he, he was doing an interview the other day. I've always wanted to do, I always, in, when I was in high school, this guy was going to Mexico to get steroids and I gave him some money to go to bring some back for me. And then I don't know what happened, but I never got the steroids. And, um, the thought of like taking them has always like excited me. Right. Like, fuck, that would be so fucking awesome to go outside, like to be able to change the tire on my car without a car jack, like just hold it up with one hand and take off the lug nuts with the other. And uh, 
but I'm 49 now. So I, he he's doing this interview with Chase Ingram and Chase is like asking him what he took. And he said he took this stuff. It's called rad 140 and this other stuff. I can't remember what it's called, but as he's saying it, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to get that shit. So I look on the internet and I find a website that sells it. And it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's like you can buy it like in 70 pills or 140 pills. And I put both of them in the cart. I'm like, Oh shit, I can't believe I'm going to get this. And I'm like, and you know, and I've had some bad experiences even with creatine. Like I take creatine and my back goes out. So I don't know what the fuck I'm thinking, taking this shit. So I go to order it and, and right as I'm about to like get to the order page, there's like this warning pops up about it could cause enlarged prostate. And I already had a dude like stick his finger up my ass a couple of years ago and then tell me I need to go to a specialist. And so I had to have another dude stick his finger up my ass and to tell me I was fine. And I talked to that dude. I was like, hey, you should have the fr- – anytime you stick a finger up someone's ass, the first dude should be a specialist. There's no need to like – Yeah, to do it twice. No, it's not. It, it was so uncomfortable. Exactly. I felt exactly. like I did. So excited about this. Have you ever had anything in your ass? I have, yeah. And it's great. Now, uh, immediately i felt like i like i like i had to take a shit it was oh but i'm sure that guy's not having fun either is that the sensation you had that you felt like you had to take a shit like he breaks the sphincter and all of a sudden you feel like you have to poo oh man um pretty much yeah i i had some sort of like crazy stomach thing a couple years ago uh-huh. and uh i don't even really know why the guy checked my butt i'm still trying to figure it out but I don't know. I need to get like an, I had to get like an enema. It was pretty wild. And did it feel good at all? The enema felt great. Cause I felt good after I was done. Cause I was, was super sick for, uh, like three weeks. Like it cleaned you out. It cleaned me out. Yeah. I would think maybe there'd be some refreshing or nourishing feeling if he would have been squirting something into my ass. But anyway, when I saw that, I just didn't pull the trigger on it. I'm like, I, 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 in the prostate's like connected to the cock and balls and just the whole like. Right. So you like didn't you, get it? No, I didn't get it. I, 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 I didn't, I didn't get it. Um, do you, do you have it? Do you have any, um, like, is your first reaction is like, yeah, that's not the shit to buy. Or is like, ah, oh, you should have tried it. Like, do you have a, do you fall on either side of the fence when I tell you that story? Um, I think that, uh, you know, I think that steroids are, um, and these aren't steroids just to be like, right. right? That, like, so that's kind of like mischaracterizing the word, right? Like SARMs aren't steroids, right? I don't know what SARMs, I don't know what category they fall into, but in terms of like testosterone and things like that, like, I think they, I think they really do have a place. Uh, I think they can be really useful for a lot of people. I think they can help to improve people's lives. The only thing that I would say is like, I don't know where you go from there. And especially with like SARMs, because SARMs would really, they would really mess with your testosterone levels quite a bit. And uh, so I don't know what the exit strategy is. You know, you mentioned the 500 podcasts. It's like, maybe that's partially like a little bit of an exit strategy. Any good business, you have an exit strategy. For like even my own podcast, I don't have like an exit strategy. There's like, it just goes on like, how long are we going to do it for us? Do it forever, I guess. You know, I don't know. Um, and so anything that doesn't have any sort of like exit plan is not great. And I would say like TRT and SARMs and, and just any investigation into, uh, taking anything that's going to alter your hormones, whether it's growth hormone or testosterone, trend or any, any of these things, um, 
I think it needs to be thought about very, very carefully because how long are you going to do it for? What What are some of the desired results that you're looking for? Um, there's so much that can be done through through your nutrition. I, I know I sound two-faced almost, you know, being a guy that is in a movie talking about steroids now saying, hey, like, you don't really need them. Um, but I, for, you know, I, I think I have, like, decent genetics, but um, I was a pretty, pretty good athlete before I ever took anything. I was pretty strong. Um, I weighed probably about 15 pounds less than I do right now. I didn't look, I didn't have this much muscle mass because I was just a kid. Um, and so I don't really know what I would have achieved, uh, completely natural. I, I trained naturally until I was about 25 and had a pretty good physique. And so I would really discourage people from taking stuff. Um, because I, I think it's like, I, I don't know, I don't know what the next move is after you take something. And I think if you're, if you're going to take any pharmaceutical, uh, that does anything for you, helps you sleep, helps you with your concentration, uh, it's a performance enhancing drug or, or any of these things, I think you should be really considerate of how long, like, is this, is this a thing I'm going to utilize to bridge something? Like, am I going to take a, uh, something that helps my lipid profile, a cholesterol medication? Am I going to take that as I'm working towards being on a better diet and, and making better lifestyle choices? Cause to me, that sounds great. Like, Hey, fucking go for it. You're man. taking the fun out of this entire conversation. No, I just want to take it and get strong as fuck and buff and yoked. And now you're talking about lipid profiles and exit strategies. Yep. You're acting like a fucking adult, Mark. Yep. You got to, you got to think about things. I think, uh, I am pretty boring that way. You got to think about things in some sort of reasonable, in some sort of reasonable fashion. And I think that's been something that's helped me kind of hold it together over the years. Cause even though, I hit some big numbers and lifting and stuff. And people might think that I was a maniac and, and even attempting some of those things. Um, I never really was a maniac. I never really was crazy. And I never really even felt like I was good or great at anything. I just, it's just an accumulation uh, of a life's work. I remember having a guy come in the gym one time and he and I were talking about some business stuff. I, it was like a business meeting. In between the in between my sets of bench pressing, I'm benching 500 pounds. I'm going back and forth, and having a conversation with him, and he's like, "I like, can't fucking believe this. You're just having a normal conversation, and then you're laying down on the bench and you're doing 500 pounds for two reps, like every couple minutes." And uh, I was just like, "Well, it wouldn't be any different if you, you know, uh, were going into like a boxing gym and somebody was talking to you in between jumping rope." I mean, this is, this is what I do. This is a, a an accumulation of uh, something I worked at for a really, really long time. So I, I, I try my best to have a, uh, a reasonable approach to just about everything that I do. When I, there was a guy um, who used to work for me and he was doing a piece on a tattoo artist who was also a CrossFitter at CrossFit. And I said, Hey, when you go at, when you go talk to the tattoo artist, ask him if he, um, if, if, if he wishes he would have um, never got a tattoo, the guy was covered with tattoos. He goes, I'm not going to ask him that. I'm like, dude, ask him that. And he asks him that. And he says, yeah, that's so weird. You asked me that. I do wish that I'm covered in tattoos, but I wish I would have never got a tattoo. And there's this chick I knew these fucking biggest fucking fake titties ever. Her, she was like, she, she, she looked like she just fell off of out of low rider magazine off the hood of one of those cars. You know what I mean? Just crazy body. The, 
big as fucking like and she's like yeah i wish i would have never got these and then recently I started following this uh this this chick who's like an ex bodybuilder and she just had her fake tits pulled out and she's like hey I her response was is I can breathe again. I'm like what the fuck? Man. Yeah. And I is is there any part of you that's like that that's like oh shit like like you've you've gone down a path of something you need to maintain now your whole life that you wish you would have never gone down the path? Is that is that am I hearing any of that from you? No, I definitely don't. I don't regret it. Um, Regret's it, a little too strong. I don't. I don't mean to say regret it. I, I I purposely didn't choose that word, right? But just like, like once you get fake tits, like you got to deal with them your whole life. Like in ten years, you have to have them replaced. It just seems like what the fuck. It seems like a lot of work. Um, even going it, to the dentist uh, is a pain. Yeah, you know, I I started taking stuff at 25 and I never really looked back and I think that uh it would be nice to be able to make a choice on whether I want to utilize TRT at this stage in my life, but I don't really have that it doesn't well, it doesn't appear like it's a choice. Let's just put it that way. Like if I came off of everything, I'm on a TRT dosage now, but if I came off of stuff right now, I because I'm 44, I'd imagine I would just be lined up to take TRT anyway. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not really sure of, uh, of what my natural abilities are at this point to produce testosterone. I know there's ways that I could kind of kickstart it again and, and there's, uh, things of that nature, but there's also a part of me, even though I did leave powerlifting behind and I did leave behind, you know, being like super huge and, uh, and very strong. Uh, a part of me is not willing to like surrender everything at the moment. And so if I was to make the decision to like, just go off stuff and say, fuck it, um, I would, it wouldn't be for a couple of years, probably, uh, that I'd make that, make that particular decision. But to, uh, to think back, what do you mean? Like you would, if you decided it, it would be two years of just slowly getting off. Is that what you're saying? Or you mean like you wouldn't, you would, you're not even at the age yet where you would consider getting off from a mental perspective. I'm not really ready for it, you know? Cause like what, what happens is this is really <laughs> fucked up, but what happens is, is you actually, some of it can be mitigated a bit, but you actually become worse than you ever were before. So people are like, Oh, you just go back to normal. It's like, it doesn't work that way, man. <laughs> the body keeps score and the body keeps track of what you were doing and, and how you've been doing it. And in order for it to reach homeostasis, if I was to come off everything, it's going to, it's going to auto going to counter correct in, in a direction that would put me at a very low amount of testosterone for a while. Once I was at a very low testosterone for a while, the body would catch on the body would say, Hey, like, now we need to produce this stuff. I don't know what's going on up there, but this shit ain't working anymore the same way that it was. So, and so that process would take a while. I would lose a lot of muscle mass and it would just be a, uh, like a literal and figurative uh, kick in the dude, nuts. For a while. Let me show you what you'd look like, dude. That's awesome. Especially at 49 <laughs> years old. That's what you fucking turn into. You turn into this. Yeah, so it's not like I would bounce back to like automatically looking like I was when I was 25, you know. No, so no. That, that's some of the stuff that 
I do think about and I'm like, oh shit, like it's I'm now in a kind of compromised position to just be on them the rest of my life. Like I said, I don't have to be on them the rest, you know. I don't necessarily have to do it this way, but from a mental perspective, um, I feel good doing it this way right now. And I get my blood work done and everything seems to be healthy and everything seems to be kind of like heading in the right direction. But to go back to your main thing about, you know, uh in some Titty way do or I tattoos? Titties are always my main thing. Yeah, titties and tattoos. To go back to your main question about, you know, whether I uh, kind of rethink uh, whether I should have taken them or not. Um, I like the decision that I made. You know, it 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 made my life uh, part of what it is. You know, and I think that anyone that went through any drug uh use or abuse would probably say a similar thing like hey you know part of my story sucks or i'm not necessarily proud of some of these parts of my story but they are my story you know without steroids there's no slingshot and without the slingshot there's no slingshot world headquarters that we have here so a lot of things were kind of built off the back of those things and and i think if we're just being honest there's a lot of people out there that are like that arnold's like that um, a lot of the people we've looked up to over the years that are athletes are like that. I would put Joe Rogan in that category who uses, uh, psychedelics and marijuana. Like, you know, uh, everyone's on a little bit of something <laughs> and, uh, and I think it, it is part of our culture and it is a huge part of, uh, what kind of makes up the way that you think and the things that you do. You could say to someone, um, I'm proud of you. And, um, like, like when I used to work with Dave and he would say, I'm proud of you. I know it's him just alpha in me. I know like, he's not really proud of me. It's just him. Like, it's, it's like, it's like, he's picking me up and putting him on, me on his shoulders. Like I'm a little bitch. And it's funny. I like it. It's like, it's the Navy seal way. Right. They say, I'm proud of you, but really they're fucking kicking you. I got it. But, um, but, uh, but I, and I don't mean it. And the reason why I'm clarifying, I don't mean it in that context are you proud of joe rogan for what he's done for humanity joe rogan is dope man i listen to him quite a bit um he is dope what he's, he's done for humanity is fucking nuts by yes. just being just by just not being a fucking liar by just trying to be honest well he's a guy that's transparent He's a great example of, uh, I mean, maybe in some respects he was like hunting down success in some ways because sure. he's got the kind of acting background, the entertainment background, the comedic background, fear factor. And he's got a lot of a lot of accomplishments and he's 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 very good at, at what he does. Like it, it's not his uh, his podcast being the podcast that it is, is based on so many years of like preparation for the podcast without even knowing that he was going to podcast. And so he was kind of like almost sacrificing for the unknown in, in some, in some way. But yeah, I, uh, I am proud of uh, what Joe Rogan has done and it's cool to be in this podcast community. I mean, he, he kind of launched, he launched so much of this. It's, it's really it's really kind of bizarre if you really think about it. Cause now anyone can have like a show. Everyone does kind of have a show. Yeah. I got, I got a show. You got a show. <laughs> Dude, how you have a real have... show. It's crazy. How many shows you've done? <clears throat> how many shows do you go on where, you know, uh, the, the other person you're talking to has a show, you know, it's probably more and more 
Uh, it's more and more common all the time. What, what I think is amazing about it is that you get to select what you want to listen to. You get to select the different people that you want to listen to. And you can, um, I mean, look at how many different routes you can go in terms of listening to, you can listen to podcasts on relationships. You can listen to murder mystery podcasts. You can listen to podcasts that talk about history or comedy, or, I mean, it can be, you know, sad and somber, or it could be self-help. I mean, it's like, man, the list of things that are out there is crazy. And so Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan is interesting because he's, he's a guy that's on a miss on a mission to gather more information because he gets tripped up himself and gets confused himself along the way about what's wrong, what's right. And how close to the truth that we can actually get. And I think that's why I've been fortunate enough to be on a show a couple of times with my brother is because my brother, I think is a little bit like Joe Rogan and the way that my brother told the bigger, stronger, faster story and his other movie, uh, leap of faith. Um, if you, you know, if you watch those movies, they're a little bit Joe Rogan esque. They're, they're very, um, cause Joe Rogan is just a curious person and he wants to learn. And the reason why he wants to learn is that he knows he has a lot of ideas in his head that aren't necessarily correct or they're not necessarily the best or most optimal. And so he's like, shit, man, I want to challenge these ideas. And he's one of the smarter people that I've ever uh, encountered because he's one of the very few who's not afraid to say, hey, you know what? I, cha I changed my answer. I changed what I thought, you know, three months ago or six months ago. He does an amazing job with that. And, and I'm grateful and thankful that he kind of kicked all this off for the rest of us. Cause now you see so many other people, I mean, think about the amount of money that he's generated, but not just for himself, but for many other folks, but think about the amount of knowledge. <laughs> I mean, he deserves I, I, twice as much money. He did give him another fucking hundred million for the fact that now he's standing up for the, for the common man. What he's like done in the last six months is nuts. I don't know. Say it's that again. I was going to say maybe like deserves like some sort of like crazy prize, like a Nobel prize or something, because think about, can you ever think about in our history, another person that has launched this much knowledge? I mean, think about all the podcasts that have spawned off the back of Joe Rogan's show and the people that he's even just highlighted. And then those he's like Larry on. King that hasn't sold out. He's like Larry King that hasn't been bought, at least from what I can tell. It's really amazing. I mean, remember, you know, back in the day when there was uh, for the 49ers, the head coach, Bill Walsh, and then there yep. was the Bill Walsh tree that came down and yep. there was all the different uh, coaches that he worked with and all the different players that he worked with and they became successful GMs and successful coaches. And I mean, Joe Rogan is like that, but it's like on some other weird, <laughs> it's on some other level because he didn't have to do as much directly with people a lot of it's been you know via the podcast and virtual type stuff when did you come to california um probably in like 1997 or so somewhere around there yeah i met my wife about a year later and why did you come here uh my brother chris he went to uh usc film school and uh... i came out to visit him from new york and uh I was like, man, I was like, does it ever rain here? He's like, never. <laughs> He's like, never fucking rains. We were in Los Angeles. And uh, I was like, shit, really? I was like, it rained the last 20 days in a row in New York. I was like, I got to figure out a way to move out here. 
And so I did lived in an apartment with my brother. He and I trained at Gold's Gym Venice every day for for a cut for for a what, period of time there. What, what cool. year was that? Yeah, that was. Now that I'm thinking back, it was probably ninety six, ninety seven, somewhere in there. Did you ever? Did you ever? Did you recall seeing Greg there, meeting Greg at that time? Yeah, no, I I know that uh, Greg Glassman was there, but he was um, a trainer somewhere. I don't know what year, but he was a trainer getting kicked out of Golds, the Golds, the Golds down there. Yeah, yeah, he was telling me that he was uh he was part of some of that. There were so many people, you know. Please don't try to get him on your podcast before I get him on my podcast. Please get <laughs> don't do that. Are you talking to him? I'm trying to get him on my podcast. He Are says you talking I'm, about again. <laughs> oh, great! Yeah, perfect, perfect. <laughs> yeah, no, Greg. You should Greg, definitely uh, get him on your podcast. By the way, yeah, absolutely. No, he's scheduled to be on as soon as he can be on. Um, uh, oh, I knew it! I knew it! Greg, mine first. So we'll 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 see uh, we'll see what happens. But um, you know, there's another guy who like blazed a trail that's just amazing. I know that uh, he uh, recently made some you know really shitty comments, and I, I know that he's been under fire and stuff. But uh, I mean, the invention, the creation of CrossFit, and I know some people are like, well, he didn't really make anything because like that's just called a superset or whatever, but um he did he did poke some holes in fitness and we ended up with men and women that are just we've never seen men and women look the way they look now for especially the people the men and women that do crossfit like these people they look phenomenal they can do phenomenal things i do realize that in an effort uh, for people to try to keep up with what goes on at the crossfit games how that can be harmful and detrimental but i don't even believe that that was any part of greg glassman's original i don't think it was part of his original goal his main thing was just like hey you know show me a guy that squats 600 pounds and i'll show you a guy that can't run a six minute mile and show me a guy that can run a six minute mile and i'll show you a guy that can't squat 600 pounds and he was like hey let's see if we can make that athlete and he has he's made people that are at least close to some of those stats or or can handle you know at least a a 400 pound squat and then they can go run a mile in six minutes and stuff like that. I've seen some of their athletes do stuff like that before. So, uh, I, I admire, I admire these people that are able to, uh, create momentum for so many other people. And you look at what CrossFit has done to the, to the fitness community and what it's done to, um, get people flipping tires, climbing ropes, uh, lifting barbells i mean it just it, it got so many more people into power to think it's it's really odd but greg glassman single-handedly rewrote the record books in powerlifting <laughs> because powerlifting and crossfit and a lot of these men and these women when they started to do some of the powerlifting movements they actually kind of recognized like man i ain't no crossfitter <laughs> I actually am better off lifting these heavy weights. This is kind of more who I am. I like the longer rest periods. And a lot of those people uh, transitioned into powerlifting. It helped powerlifting more popular. Uh, by Dude, every more- sport grew. Yeah. Frisbee, frisbee yeah. fucking golf. Every, Absolutely. every person who does CrossFit gets fit. And then they're like, shit, how am I going to use this fitness? Every single sport grew because of CrossFit. By the way, yeah. I, I, I don't think he said anything shitty. I think that he said something great. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that to like make it a debate between me and you uh, by any means, but um, I think he said something very, uh, I don't know who it was fucking Galileo or one of those. 
He said something really inflammatory and then yes. it just started but it meant that, the storm of other people. Yeah. Yeah. People read into what he said completely fucking wrong. Just because yeah. someone says the earth is round and you think it's flat doesn't mean that they should be hung. And uh, but, but I mean, I, I don't think he cares. I think he's happy. I think he's rich as fuck now. And I think the pressure of the world is off his back. And um, I think he's I mean, it, it goes if back to what I was saying. Or it'd be him. Yeah, I think when he comes back, um, he's going to be very heavily embraced. I think people think the grass is greener on the other side. It is not. I think that um, the same way it's liberate. I think that like Joe Rogan saying that he does um, what whatever he does, testosterone replacement, or that he does acid, or that Mark Bell talks about it openly, or that Lee Cavelli ha- has songs that say "Let the white kids say nigga," or that Greg Glassman got canceled. There is a freedom, especially if you're financially independent to being canceled, I cannot emphasize that enough. But the only thing that sucks is once you become financially independent is is if you have any integrity, you have an obligation then to defend everyone who's not. Hmm. And that's a, they don't tell you that part, but if you have integrity, that's, I think what you do. The one thing that you were kind of talking about earlier about like being offended and you were kind of mentioning like, Hey, do you think, you know, your brother's movie helped kind of free you up or, uh, you know, help you kind of feel more free. Um, really what's helped me more so over the years than anything is just, uh, my own investigation, my own look into myself. And I, I say this often, the greatest podcast you'll ever do is going to be the one that you do with yourself, you know, and it's, it's not an easy thing to admit your faults. It's not an easy, easy thing to really kind of pick at the things that you're not good at and to really investigate and really look at those things and, and, and really try to figure out ways of making those better. Um, for me, it's been really helpful over the years to just really work on just not being reactionary, you know, just give, there's, there's not too many things in this world. I mean, there are emergency situations, but there's not too many things in this world that you don't just give a little bit of time to. And, the problem will subside or sometimes problems will subside by themselves just from time alone. But usually time, you know, they say sometimes people say sleep on it, but I think people are too anxious sometimes to sleep on it, but sleeping on it is great advice or just take a little bit of a pause. You see a comment that's rude to you on the internet or something like that. Just, just give it a little bit of a beat. Give it a second. Maybe if you're really that mad, say i wonder if i'll come back to this tomorrow what are the odds that you're going to go back look at your same post from yesterday scroll through a couple of the comments find that same comment that you found to be super offensive and go in there and just start trying to beat the person up that said it so i like what you're saying about being offended and even that very word uh while i'm not on the other side of that um i I caution people against falling into the trap of somebody hating them or saying something hateful or hurtful. You know, just really think about that. When someone says something hateful or hurtful, what the fuck is that about? You know, like what, where is that coming from? Hurt people, hurt people. And when someone like that's trying to dish something out to you, all they want to do is get a response. All they're looking for is to get a rise out of you. And for me, what I usually try to do is when someone says something ridiculous is 
A, ignore it, which I think is the best and best route to go most of the time. B, the other thing is I, I think um, you can just answer it with humor because when something, when someone's trying to inflict a wound on you or someone's trying to hurt you or be mean to you, when you have kind of a comedic response that's not disrespectful, um, I think it's like it shows them how ridiculous it is, or at least it shows everybody in the group how ridiculous it is. Um, there's a comment that I sometimes leave for people. I don't really even use it much anymore, but I sometimes will just say, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> and that means like, go fuck your mother. You know, like that's what that means. Go fuck yourself. But I just like to say that because it's just like a, I'm pretty much completely ignoring this, but I'm giving it some sort of, uh, information. But when people see that you respond that way, then your fans will start to respond that way to people. I've even taken quotes and and taken things from that are completely random. I'll look up, uh, uh, you know, I'll look up something about the uh, the first trip to uh, the moon or something like that, and I'll find some. I'll 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 find out the type of metal that was used on the rocket for the first uh, for the first flight to the moon, and I'll I'll hit copy and paste. And I'll paste it to the guy that says, hey, you still look fat or you're an idiot or you, you don't know how to read or whatever it is. I'll copy and paste that and put that in the comments section. It makes Dude, me I laugh. I love that. Dude, yeah, I love laugh. that. Like, this fucking, oh, alloy metal was used for the first flight to the moon or whatever. And the person's, the person's looking at it and you know they're infuriated. Like, what the fuck, man? No, I'm trying to like fight with you and you're, you're fucking around, you know? So, you know, try to figure out a way to have fun with it. Just the last thing on being offended is uh, normally being offended from something or from someone is based off of value assignment. You, for some reason have valued why, what I'm going to not even say anything in terms of race, because I don't, I've never been subject to that. So I don't know what it's like to be on the receiving. End Fuck you cracker. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I have, but like, see, I don't, I just, that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything to me. Right. Um, I, know. I don't, I was a, just... yeah, no, I'm saying I, I don't get a, but again, it's a value assignment. So that's a great example though, to the word cracker. Like it has no, it has no uh, value to me. I'm not valuing that. I don't value you saying that to me. And, and society's not demanding you value it either. Right. And I think that that is a great way to go about it. Someone says, calls you fat. Someone calls you stupid. Who, who is this person? You know, if this is a person in your life that you love and you care about and they teased you about something that bothers you, you have to talk to them about it because that is a person that has a high value assignment in your life. And you need to say, Hey, you know what? I, I might be a little sensitive. I'm not sure what happened, but like when you teased me about this the other day, I didn't take it that way. And it actually, it, it cut me pretty good. And I, I would rather, you know, maybe we could figure out a different way to mess around with each other or something. Somebody that hears that, that loves you and cares about you, they're going to go, Oh my God, I'm so, Holy fuck. I so sorry. Somebody that continues to do that, then you need to figure out a way to uh, probably boot them out of your life. But that's the way I, I view a lot of those things. I don't think, I think how about when people say stuff that upsets you like about, so I was walking the, I was walking by a swimming pool the other day and there was this woman and she was, she was, she was probably, I don't know, 
hundred pounds overweight and she was in a, in like a, a, um, she had a swim cap on and she had like a, a, like a, almost like, like, I think she had a bikini on even, but it was like a, like a, the kind of bikini, like a a hardcore swimmer would wear. Mm -hmm. And she was stretching and I was thoroughly enjoying watching her stretch. Like, like I, I thought it was, I just, I'm just love human bodies. Like, even though I talk so much shit about people being overweight and fat, it's mostly just around the fact that I'm just so fucking pissed that there's a mischaracterization of what's going on with the pandemic right now. But, but, but I just love human bodies. Like I love sumo wrestlers. I love the, the only thing that is really hard to see is young kids who are obese and anorexic people for me, but I still don't think it's, um, I still really enjoy just looking at humans and, um, and so she's like stretching and she's, and I'm watching her and she can't see me. Like I'm on this trail that's behind the pool and I'm watching her stretch and get ready. And she's going through all the movements and she's got this huge ass. And like, I'm watching her arms and this whole being, she's getting ready to go in the water. And the person I'm with is like, that's disgusting. And, and that like hurt me. I was just like, it's not even about me, but it, like the fact that I was enjoying it, like, like I was, it was, it was, it's kind of, it's, it's worse than, let's say I took you to the museum and we we're looking at a Picasso and you said, he's a dumb fuck. He, I, my kid could have painted that. I'd be like, yo, like chill, man. It's, um, it's, it's a, it's a shame. It's a shame to me that, uh, I don't know. It's just, I just feel like it's a missed opportunity. And, and like, I usually don't correct those people unless they're really close to me. Like if they're like family members, I'd be like, yo, you're looking at that all wrong. Mm. you're looking at that all wrong there's nothing like i think it's an education opportunity you know i think it's i think it's a an opportunity to you know communicate with people sometimes sometimes you know you do get a friend that's like i don't know like maybe they're just trying to be crass because they're hanging with you and like they think that you would enjoy because they saw you looking at the person and they felt you would enjoy that right guys would go back oh yeah fucking you're right bro like totally disgusting but i think that um i look at a lot of stuff as like opportunities for education so i pay close attention to people around me saying certain things and i even have people that really won't talk much around me because they know this about me so uh you know family gatherings or something if someone's like man i'm just so tired of having these love handles they know i'm going to go in on well you know have you you know, that thought about taking up some walks during, you know, they know that I'm going to like throw solutions at them. And sometimes they're literally just, uh, just complaining. But I think a lot of these things are, are opportunities to communicate, share information, and maybe in that case, not educate, but have a conversation and say, that's interesting. You know, why do you think that's disgusting? Do you think it's a very unattractive for someone to have like a little extra weight on their body or, you know, like what's your, what's your threshold, you know, someone being 40 pounds overweight, like, you know, or, or do you like to see people be more, more muscular or something like that? You know, and then, then you can get into like a, a conversation because you can say, well, I don't really think it's disgusting. I actually just think that, uh, you know, that person has, uh, probably, uh, just maybe have it hasn't got out in front of exercise yet, but look at them, how cool this is. They're here exercising right now. And maybe they're on a journey to where they want to uh, try to work on that. You know, being overweight is a funny thing. I, I don't think that being like being obese and having your body 
having your body compromised to where it doesn't have access to do the stuff that it's supposed to do. I think that's dangerous. And I think that that is something that you should try to work on. And I understand how difficult it can be. Uh, I, I get it. But just have, just having some extra weight on you. I think it's, it's very, I don't want to like lower the bar and just say, Hey, you know, we can all have extra weight on us because there's super delicious foods out there. But at the same time, I don't really think it costs you nearly as much as the media and just people in fitness want to make it out to be somebody with an extra 20 pounds on them, even an extra 30 or 40 pounds. I mean, it's debatable. Some people even say that fat is in some way is protective. And I, I know people like will lose their minds over this. But if, if you if you can just not get so heavy that it kind of um, changes the way that you stand changes the way that you walk uh yeah changes the way you walk is crazy yeah, yeah. interrupts your sleep prevents you uh, doing a lot of things it prevents you from walking prevents you from staying motivated i mean those are the things that once those things start to happen you do need to investigate and i do think that you can say um that it's a it's a gluttonous way to start living because you're not paying attention to something that's so obvious you now have sleep apnea. You're falling asleep in the middle of the day. You're clearly a hundred pounds. So that part of it, it's not that your body is disgusting or that you're a disgusting person. You have developed habits that are gross, that are disgusting. It wouldn't be any different than seeing someone who's already completely hammered, having a couple extra shots at the bar. And right. you're like, motherfucker, that's disgusting. <laughs> Can you slow down? You know, so I think, it's or all the times in college I was drunk and then took a bong rip and it caused me to vomit. It's like, <laughs> dude, you shouldn't have taken a bong rip. You should have gone home, you dumb fuck. Yeah, it's gluttonous. Yeah, it's that gross. Point. Gluttonous, yep. Did you ever smoke weed? Did you ever no. go through a weed phase? God, no, you're, so, you're so pure. No meth, <laughs> no weed. No. You're kind of, are, are you square? Um. So, you know, my oldest brother, you know, dying from, uh, drugs and, and, uh, my brother, Chris having, uh, uh, an addiction to some stuff and my uncle dying from drugs. So I, I never really got into much, uh, I never really got into alcohol or weed or cigarettes or like Coke or meth or any, any recreational. Like a health, like a healthy fear. Yeah. Yeah. Any recreational stuff. I just always thought they really, really weren't for me. And I was always like, if I'm going to take drugs, I want them to like do something for me. <laughs> yeah. Know? So I, that's kind of where I thought about performance enhancement. I'm like this, cause I was always into lifting and, uh, even I feel time, better tomorrow if I take this, but if I take this, I feel like shit tomorrow. Yeah. A hundred, a hundred percent. That's kind of the way that it went. And I have experimented with, uh, mushrooms and LSD and I do like both of those quite a bit. Um, uh, not a lot. I haven't done a lot of either one of them, but, uh, I do like them. I do enjoy them. I do think that I, I do enjoy alcohol here and there, but, uh, I think alcohol is alcohol is an escape. In my opinion, it feels like an escape, which feels nice. Sometimes it's almost like it takes you to a different place and can help assist, make you a slightly different person. For me, it helps make me more social. Um, but when it comes to, when it comes to mushrooms and when it comes to LSD, at least with some of my experiences so far, 
it's really like introspective. Like you, it's like, uh, you start working on yourself. And I think that that has a ton of merit. That's, it's almost like going to therapy, but it's you teaching yourself. It's, it's you walking yourself through your own therapy. It's fucking wild. And you don't get to really select the time that you have, you know, you, you, you <laughs> sometimes they're wonderful and sometimes you're like fuck man <laughs> that whole experience was pretty was pretty fucked up whereas normally with alcohol i think alcohol is so popular because it's pretty predictable you have a couple of drinks you're around a couple of friends and usually it just gets you like more fired up you're pretty excited you know you're a little more talkative your inhibitions are down just a bit and if you and if you get the right amount of alcohol it's just perfect you know you can obviously like overdo it and sometimes you don't get the same buzz, but for the most part, it's really consistent and you can really manage the time that you have by getting around, uh, people that you enjoy and you almost always have a good time. I guess there are some cases where like you might get frustrated or something like that because you're, you're, you're drunk at the wrong time or, or getting a buzz at the wrong time or whatever. But for the most part, it's pretty damn consistent. And with psychedelics, it seems like, man, you're going on this ride and you're like, you start going on this roller coaster and you're like, oh, it's pretty cool. And then you're like, what the fuck? This ride sucks. This ride's never going to be over. Yeah. You're like, what the hell? And it can make you kind of paranoid and a little sketched out and stuff. But I do like them. I've even messed around with a little bit of uh, micro dosing. Um, I've even taken some mushrooms like on a run before and then been encouraged to like run more. I'm like, fuck, I can, this feels good. I can run for longer and, and things like that. And so, uh, I'm just kind of a baby when it comes to that stuff. I have not done it a ton, but, uh, just kind of getting Smart. into it. Stay a baby. Those, those drugs in, in my opinion, my experience, my know-it-allness is, um, every time you do those things, there's no, going back so people should be aware of that like you're just having fun on an acid trip and then all of a sudden at the corner of your eye you see a tribe of native americans and your whole life has been shifted and now you're focused you you go from being interested in um, fitness to pursuing a phd in native american cultures because you <laughs> saw a fucking tribe of native americans and you're on acid well fuck just change everything there was something that mark said that i want you guys all to really notice um i notice it whenever anyone says it because it's so fucking rare i think hinshaw mentioned it he said something about not reacting there's this word meditation and he said and creating i don't know if he used the word stillness or space but there is this um, word we use in society called meditation and so many people don't know what it is and um, mark just described it and you and I, the, the example I use over and over and over is from the movie Terminator when um, someone says something to the Terminator and it something a, a reaction pops up in his head. Should he say this? Should he say this? Should he say this? And Arnold chooses, fuck you, asshole. And, and the difference between the Terminator and human beings is, is human beings, one thing, one reaction will pop up and the second one won't pop up until you let that first one go. And that's called not reacting. That's called meditating. That's called mindfulness. That's called creating stillness. That's called creating space. And so someone flips you off as they drive by you. Your reaction is to flip them off. 
If you let that go, if you have cultivated enough self-awareness, you won't flip them off. That will pass and another option will come up and it will be to look to your left to see if a car is coming. And if you let that go, then the next one might come up and you might be rolled down your window and yell, I love you. And you can choose. And just be, and if you go back and you're like, nah, I'm going to flip this motherfucker off. At least you had three choices now. And so you, 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 there's this misconception that we have free will. We don't have free will. I'm sorry. I know that's going to kill people, but we do have the free will to choose our reactions, wherever the fuck they come from. I don't know where they come from. Can I take a pee break? That, and that was going to be my final question. What do you do on your podcast when you have to pee? Let me pee. I'll I'll come back and answer it. Okay. I'm going to pee too. I'm going to pee. All right. Stand by, stand by pee break. And the pee break is over. I was just, I was just wondering that. I was just going to ask him, what does he do? What does Mark Bell do on his podcast when he has to pee? Does he? He's got that. He's got a co-host. I got to ask him about that guy. Per break, indicative of age. You mean like how often we have to pee is is based on how old we are? Like the older you are, the more often you have to pee. Mark, how are you? Um, so that co-host of yours, that the handsome dude who's like, if I'm looking at your show, he's to the left, the black guy, is he a crutch? He, uh, yeah, he, a crutch for me. Yes. For me to lean on. Like I, like I started this podcast, this, like I, the one, I had Brian, this guy, Brian friend on a bunch of shows and like, he became like a gnarly crutch. And then like, and then like, I, I don't know what happened. I guess he just didn't want to like go full steam ahead. Like me, he like wanted to have a life besides podcasting. So I kind of lost him. Now he only shows up like every like five or 10 shows and it's forced me like to like, but I, but I'm always looking for another crutch. You know, I, I like to, uh, I like to give opportunities, you know, to people that I think that are, <clears throat> that are really worth something. And so, right. Yeah. With Encima. Um, in SEMA, that's his name. Yep. And I am a, um, yeah, I, I wanted to bring him aboard. Uh, a lot of the reason is just cause like he's better than me in some stuff, you know, he's, he's, he's taller than me. He's better looking than me. He's more jacked than I am. And I actually like that. You know, I, I like, um, you know, I, I don't have the biggest squat bench or deadlift in the history of super training gym. And that's the way that it should be. 
you know, if I'm going to be the coach and the leader and the mentor, I should be able to kind of like mentor people to a higher place, you know? And so, um, I like to be around like-minded people, but I do like, uh, learning from people that are like in a better spot than me, or at least in my view are in a better spot than me. And, and, uh, I think he gets the same from me because I'm older, I'm more established in my career and stuff. And so, um, I think it makes for a really good synergy, but yeah, he is someone that, uh, when we first started this podcast, um, he was a little more reserved, a little bit quieter. Um, but yeah, now that we kind of have the dynamic that we do, uh, he is somebody that I lean on here and there. Do you ever do ones without him? Uh, we sometimes do something that we call Sunday school, but we haven't really done or Saturday school. Maybe <laughs> we haven't done one of those in, in a while. Um, so normally, no, it's, it's just it's the three of us. It's usually Andrew uh, and Encima and myself. How did you find Andrew? Um, Andrew uh, actually came to an event that we had. We had a uh, like a uh, an event where we had a bunch of girls at, at the gym, and I podcasted with with a bunch of these girls. They were um, all with Bodybuilding dot com at the time, and I've done stuff with Bodybuilding dot com before, and we had tremendous success doing like live uh, things from the gym with them and uh we've had great responses with a lot of the stuff that we've done so uh they were like hey i think it'd be really cool if we brought down a bunch of these girls they power lift you can kind of coach them maybe you can do like a seminar and so anyway we had this event and andrew had a camera and he's like i'm not a perv i'm actually a cameraman is it okay if i take some pictures and, why can't uh, he be both yeah and i was like well it's okay if you're a perv I'm like i'm a perv <laughs> Fuck, why do you think I'm here? You know? Um, but uh yeah, Andrew uh gave me a business card and I was like, man, that's really weird timing because I'm really looking for for a photographer. And so that's kind of how we met. And then uh he and I have uh you know stayed in contact for we stayed in contact for a little bit after that. He started coming in doing some photos, hired him on, and then he kind of became the Swiss army knife around here where he could he can kind of morph into doing anything. Uh, and so he was editing videos. He was doing a video series that we did for a long time called Hustle Mania, or just kind of follow me around for my day and, and kind of see what I do work wise, workout wise, and podcast wise. And then uh, I had a podcast that went on for a while where I did probably a little over 500 episodes or so. Um, and uh, me and the guy that were running that podcast uh, split apart. And as soon as that opportunity kind of came up, Andrew's like, hey, man, I want to run the podcast. I was like, do you know anything about it? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and I think he just started learning on the fly that day. But uh, yeah, he's been he's been a great addition as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I need uh, that. That's it. But you pay him. I don't he want to. Money. Yeah. Yeah. He, he makes money. Paid. I yeah. need it. I need we'll a dude like that, Andrew man. who will work for free for me. I need like a guy like like right now he like chimes in and is like why are you asking about Andrew I'm your guy and you know you know what I mean like I need an Andrew. Mm-hmm. No, Andrew is a great addition to the show. He, I know he Who? wants I chime in more, but um, you know, and and Seam and I are uh, you know we're alphas over here and we're we're just not we're just not letting Andrew say anything. We'll just beat his ass if he says something. So 
like if you see his picture like if you see his picture pop up and like he's about to talk like you see his little square pop up you just give him the stink eye yeah we just kind of wave our fists at him like you motherfucker (laughs) andrew get back to pushing buttons over there would you get back to work (laughs) um what was jesse burdick ever your co-host no, but he's been on the show a bunch of times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I keep, I saw him in a bunch. Yeah, we did seminars together too. Okay. And um, and how long are your usually your podcasts? Uh, they'll go. Sometimes they'll be an hour, and sometimes they'll be up to three hours. Kind of depends on the guest. Depends on how far we go. I think the sweet spot is usually around ninety minutes to two hours, somewhere in there. But for us, that's that's been kind of the the sweet spot. Yeah, I like 90 minutes. The podcasts that I've been on that have gone three hours, I've done two and I and and I've regretted both of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean it just, you know, depends on depends on the conversation, depends on how many people are on the microphone. Right. You, know, you got more people on the microphone than, you know, uh it might work out a little differently. Right. And we have a great I, dynamic going. We have a we have a really good um Who you really and good. Seema and Andrew or me and you? You and I, yeah, we have a great dynamic. That's what I thought. And Andrew. No, you're actually very good at this. You're very conversational. I, I'm enjoying it. But yeah, on our show, we have a, a great dynamic going. And I really like to get guests here, like someone like yourself. I'd love to have you here. You know, it'd be so much, it'd just be so much better. You know, doing, doing it this way is great. And this is a great way for listeners to uh, get the information, but to actually meet you and, and see that you're 5'2 and 125 pounds, like that'll be great. Why? Why? <laughs> Everyone tells me that. Why? Why do? Why do we have to be in the same room? Isn't this nice? Do you think that we lack? Do you think that we would have gone deeper or more intimate if we were been in the same room? What would be? Yeah, no, I th- I think so. I think I think at least for my show, uh, because what we would do beforehand is we'd work out and uh, we'd have a good time and we'd fuck around and we we would just get to know you a lot better. You know, it's it's different than just trying to look stuff up on you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but aren't you afraid if you have your, if you talk to your guests before, um, that like, that you're going to have to fake some of the stuff that you have want to ask them again. Like, you like if not. we were in the, like when we were in the, if we were in the changing room and you saw I had a 12 inch dick and you were like, Holy shit. And Holy I'd be like Armenian God. dude. Then you'd have to like fake it like later on in the show and be like, Hey dude, how big is your penis? And like, I, everyone be like, dude, you already know. Yeah. I already saw it. It's the yeah. fucking cat is out of the bag basically at that point right yeah i mean don't you feel like it's um more or do you have that issue like like it it loses a little bit of its sincerity um if you've hung out with the person before you asked if i was afraid of it and uh the only thing i'm afraid of is freddy krueger so this time of year is actually really hard for me because I know that motherfucker is going to be on TV and I'm going to have a hard time sleeping, but no, I don't sweat it, man. I, I, it's, it's fun to meet the guests beforehand and talk to them. Uh, sometimes we just roll right into the podcast, but most of the time working out with somebody, even just showing somebody around my gym, um, even just, even just somebody like we, this kind of thing happens all the time. Somebody will just come in the gym. They'll say they're a huge fan. And, uh, they're, they're not even coming in to work out. They just wanted to stop by. They wanted to maybe buy something from our store or something. Well, I might get talking to them and I might show them around when I show them around. It's really, uh, you could see a lot about someone's personality just in the couple minutes of me showing them around. If I show them a couple of pieces of equipment in the gym, 
I'll know that they're real gym enthusiasts if they actually try some of the stuff. I'll say, hey, look at this. We have this sled over here. It's called the tank. It has this uh, crazy resistance on it. It's got these tires. You push it, and it looks like it's going to be easy, but it fucking crushes your soul. The people that, the, most of the time, the people I want to hang out with more are like, fuck yeah, dude, that's sick. Can I try it? You know, and then they'll try to run with it or something. They'll kill themselves. So, you know, I, I like the interaction of trying to do a workout with somebody. And you could see, like, if I said, hey, man, we're going to do... Um, we're going to do box squats today. If the first thing out of your mouth is like, man, I don't know my knee. I'm like, oh, come on with this guy. You know, he's got a fucking fitness podcast. Really? I'm never coming to your gym. <laughs> <laughs> you just scared me away. No, you don't have to do like the weights that anyone's doing, but like, you know, I worked out with, uh, Hannah Eden recently. I worked out with Marcus Philly recently and like, I can't do any of the shit that those people can do. Those people are, Marcus Philly should never take a picture standing next to you, by the way. I know. You ruined him. He was a god in my eyes. And I saw them standing next to you, and you made him look like a fucking pipsqueak. Dude, I can't believe you unfollowed everything that he does. Because that takes commitment. You went into his YouTube. You unfollowed him there. You went into his (laughs) Instagram. You can't unfollow everything Marcus Philly does. He does too much. That's wild. Hey, were you... you did you love him we did yeah yeah he's awesome um i think he's coming back up this week because we got we got that that seminar so yeah it'd be great to have him around a little bit more i know he's uh he's not too far away christian leon uh he says he's coming to your seminar mark see you sunday for the knees over toes seminar shit sounds great do you know that guy christian leon i do know Imagine getting raped while your attacker puts the COVID vaccine in your arm. Worst day ever. That's a weird mm-hmm. comment. Um, I'm going to imagine that I get neither of those. Hmm. Uh, are you still coaching kids stuff like kids football, stuff like that? No, but I really did enjoy that. Uh, I was a uh, football coach for a little while and, uh, and a strength coach for a football team here in uh, Woodland, California. That, that was that was a blast. I'd love to maybe get back into something like that. Maybe, maybe when I'm a little older, I got too much shit going on right now. Uh, I asked you if that was your house. I'm wrapping up the show, but I want to get in any, I'm reviewing my notes here. Uh, we talked about walking. Oh, raw meat. How about all this raw meat shit going on? The, 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 uh, Brian, the liver King, the, uh, carnivore MD, uh, uh, people just chugging, testicles and 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 uh just what what, what's are you doing any of this are you what what, have you had any balls in your mouth uh recently (laughs) are you jumping on the bandwagon um i i have had balls in my mouth recently but it wasn't too no i was kidding um nothing you chewed just yeah Mm mm-hmm uh, I do like, uh, you know, some of the organ meats and stuff like that. I think that they have benefit. Um, I don't like the flavor of them, so I'm not going to go out of my way to eat them, but I consume them. And I made a product called the steak shake and the steak shake. has. Oh, uh, that's you. The steak shake. That's me, bro. I have that in my notes too. I, okay. Go on, go on. We'll come back yeah. to the steak shake. So I created a product called the steak shake and it has uh, beef protein isolate. 
Uh, it has egg white and it has whey protein in addition to liver, heart, kidney, spleen, and pancreas. So it has an organ blend in it. And, uh, that's how I get my, that's how I get my organ, like vitamins and minerals. I get it from that. I usually have about four scoops of that a day, two, two scoops in the morning, two scoops later on in, in the evening, uh, usually after dinner or something like that. I made a chocolate one, made a vanilla one. They both taste great. They both don't have artificial sweeteners in them. I'm working on restocking the chocolate, uh, as we speak, cause it's been, uh, very successful, but just in terms of the raw meat stuff, like, I, no, I don't mess around with, um, you know, we had Jay Cutler on the podcast, Jay Cutler's four time Mr. Olympia and somebody I really look up, really look up to one of the more extraordinary people that I've ever met out of all the guests I've ever had on the show. And, uh, he has a quote that just stuck with me forever. And he said, don't be fancy, be consistent. And, uh, that's something I will never forget. And I think that's really, really important when you're considering making changes of any kind, whether it's to your training or to your nutrition or other changes, lifestyle changes that you might want to make, you know, you don't need to run, <clears throat> uh, you don't need to sprint, uh, 40 seconds of every minute uh, for 10 minutes to get in shape. Although that might be a crazy workout that would indicate that you're in shape, but it's all about consistency. You know, that kind of workout to try to do something like that day in and day out, most likely is not going to happen. If you're eating stuff that you really don't enjoy, then, uh, I'm going to say you're going to have a hard time with long-term success. And something I've been kind of <clears throat> realizing more recently it's kind of interesting with nutrition, nutrition, you can get results in days. Like I'm talking about three days, five days. If you're listening to this right now and you got an extra 30, 40 pounds on you, you, you can start a, a nutritional intervention right now where you pretty much just eat meat, vegetables, maybe some fruit in three days. If you have never eaten like that before, you will probably feel fucking amazing. Results will vary for every person a little bit, but for the most part, most people will lose a little bit of weight from following a, a, a protocol like that. Now, the key is, is that are these things, things that you enjoy? If they're not things that you, if you don't really enjoy meat, then you're going to have to try to find, you know, other alternatives. But I think you want to try to figure out how can you in anything that you're trying to do in anything that you're trying to be successful at, how can you be consistent? And when it comes to nutrition, the main thing that you're trying to think about is how can you make it through every single day without overeating? And the way that you do that is you prioritize protein. Maybe you eat some fiber because fiber can be filling too. So maybe you have some vegetables, maybe you have some fruit. There's other things that are satiating that don't have calories in them too, like coffee, um, bone broth. So there, there's some fringe things like that that you can have. Another thing that helps satiate you though is to have uh, proper micronutrients as well as macronutrients. And so the micronutrients, that's where some of this liver stuff comes from and some of the people talking about nose to tail and organ meats and eating testicles and stuff. Uh, having those things intact can help make the hormones of the body intact, which will allow you to make better decisions each and every day. 
And none of this stays intact without one of the most important things, and that is to make sure that you're getting enough sleep. But once those things are met, you don't necessarily need a strict diet protocol. You prioritize for protein, eat some vegetables, eat some fruit, make sure you get your micronutrients in, which the micronutrients are probably handled from eating meat, vegetables, fruit, eggs would be in there too. And then nailing down your sleep. If you can do those things, you most likely, whenever you eat meat, um, it will fill you up enough to carry you through a long enough period of time where you're not eating. And then you'll eat again. So you'll eat like two, three times in a day and you should be good to go. You, you'll probably um, inadvertently intermittent fast just because you have the right stockpile of foods in your body. Do you ever fast for long, for 24 hours or 36 hours? Yeah, I've done five days and I've done a lot of different things like that. Um, I think they have some benefit. I think it's a, it's a good idea to become buddies with hunger. You know, it's a good idea to recognize that you have this signal and that you don't have to act on it. Just like we talked about earlier, just because somebody said something to me uh, doesn't mean I have to select madness. I don't have to select being uh, disturbed. I don't have to select being pissed off. I don't have to select, hey, fuck you, motherfucker. I can't believe you said that shit to me. I can select whatever I want uh, for it. And so um, I do think it's a good idea to treat hunger the same way. Like, I, I don't need to respond to that. What you'll notice is that the less, rea less knee-jerk reaction you have to your hunger, the more often you can push it off uh, and just... Mm. You know, people say like, breathe through it. You know, it's like, you just go, ah, all right, well, yeah, I have that urge. I smell what the other person just cooked up. That does sound really good, but I need to hold true with what I'm doing. <clears throat> and when you recognize that a steak is just around the corner, it's really not, you're not really missing out on anything. It feels like you are, and it can be difficult, but uh, I think fasting is, is intermittent fasting, especially, I think uh, has a lot of merit. I would just uh warn people of one thing and that is you can overdo your fasting and then you can make yourself insanely hungry and you can overeat so if you the, the whole key to any sort of fast whether it's a day fast a five-day fast uh or 16 8 or any of these types of fasts is just to when you come out of the fast is is to pretend that it never happened that way, the calories that were partitioned off, you're not eating then and then and and then some. Some people the two, will, the two five day oh. fasts I've done in the past couple of years, um, complete fucking disasters. Mm. Um, one of them threw my eating off for like six months. Mm. Like I just for the Maybe next six, like I, hungry. yeah, yeah, for like six months after that, I was like, fuck you, like, That's but, great. That's but great um. To hear that. But um, I do stop eating every Saturday night. I sleep. I don't eat anything Sunday at all except for black coffee. And then I don't eat again until Monday morning. And, the, and, and basically all I tell myself, and I've done that for like 60, 70 weeks now. I don't know how long. But and now it's just become normal. Um, but uh, basically I just have to sleep twice. So I tell people I do a 36-hour fast once a week. I don't really know the number of hours. I don't know if it's 30 or I don't know if it's 44. But basically, as long as I sleep twice, I feel like I'm hack, I'm cheating, right? I sleep. I don't eat for a day. I go back to sleep. And um, and on Tuesday, uh, on Monday mornings when I wake up, I basically have – it's I feel fucking incredible, and I'm not even mm -hmm. hungry. 
I, I mean, I end up eating. I almost always eat some eggs left over from my kids, but I, the fasting, I feel like basically like I shrink a size and then I gain it, gain it back all throughout the week. And then I just fast again, just one day. And I, and I, I used to feel like I was missing out and shit, but now like, I don't give a fuck. It's me. It's just you doing your own thing and you feel good about it. Yeah, it's great. It's great. But the two five day fasts I've done did but both times fuck me up. I don't feel like like it was uh and one time I just did water and I did not I I, I something was wrong. <laughs> like I said, something, yeah, you can you can you can over, right. Hey, you can definitely overdo fasting and if it's uh if it's deregulating your hunger, like if it's um if, if you ended up binging and stuff and it ain't working, you know, that those are the things you need to investigate. Your, your low carb diet isn't working. If, if you're ending up in the pantry eating a bunch of cookies, like you're going to have to probably find something slightly different. Now, if you have some cookies once a month or something, that's probably not a big deal. But if you find yourself, you know, waking up in the middle of the night and having these crazy cravings and, and things of that nature, then the current diet plan that you're working on it's great that you're messing with it and it's great that you're working on it, but it's just not really working. And so you need to, right. you need to figure out what, what's going to work, what's going to allow me to get the rest that I need and allow me to not think about these other foods all the time. In the 15 years that I was hanging out with Greg Glassman, he was always just talking about the evils of added sugar. And so basically from the day I met him till, I don't know, a year ago, I was always taking steps to reduce sugar. So like 15 years ago, I quit drinking soda. And then like, you know, every time you had a birthday party, I didn't have cake. But then you know what finally pushed me over the edge? The, I, I ended up on the um, Paul's Saladino's um, Instagram. And in, I started seeing all this, following all of his carnivore diet shit. And I was thinking, okay, that's what I'm going to fucking do. I'm going to let myself basically eat as much meat and hard cheese as I want for two weeks, throw myself into ketosis and then slow and see what happens. And what I guess, I mean, I'm no fucking rocket scientist, but I guess what happened is, is I went into ketosis and at night, instead of craving, always like at 10 o'clock, I was started craving carbs. And all of a sudden I started craving fat at 10 at night. It was so fucking weird. I was just like, holy fuck, how can I be? I just wanted to start eating avocados and uh, cream and butter. And so I'm like, okay. And I just never went back. And I basically have just cut out added sugar and refined carbohydrates almost like 100% from my diet. I let myself eat as much vegetables and meat and hard cheese as I want. Let's just go buck wild. But somehow when I went into ketosis, it fucking tripped the wire of um, not chasing. It was like being free. I feel like so free that I don't chase because I never realized that I chased carbs all day. I didn't I even little, know I was doing that. I think a little fitness secret that maybe not everyone knows is, is the fact that most people have some sort of treat of some sort. Like most people that have these great disciplines, there are, there are bodybuilders that like go all in and stuff, but like most of the time people are like, Oh yeah, I, eat, I don't eat any carbs. You know, I, and then you find out they have a little bit of dark chocolate at night, you know, mm. hours after dinner. Uh, you find out that they throw a little bit of fruit in their protein shake or that they have cottage cheese and fruit or yogurt and fruit or they like to have honey here and there. Like you usually yeah. find usually find something or or they eat um, even something like a potato, you know, they have a potato here and there. And so I think for each person, it's good to try to select what's you know what's a what's something maybe just a 
just a tiny bit off course that won't send you spinning out of control that you can eat, that you can manage. Um, I think it's important to try to find those things for myself. Um, I have a uh, jello that I can rely on. It's like 10 calories. And what I'll do is I'll get this little tiny thing of jello, which has like artificial sweeteners and colors and all kinds of shit like that in it, but I'm not worried about it. I'll sit down, I'll eat that. And if I want to eat another one, I get up and eat another one. If I want to eat yeah. another one, I'll, you know, I'll do that. And I, and I might go through four or five of them, but it doesn't cost me, you know, it's like, it's 50 calories, you know, does it doesn't, uh, I'm not consuming a lot of extra. Um, I might do the same thing with something like hard boiled eggs. I kind of tell people like, if you look in your fridge and all you have in there is like, uh, hard boiled eggs and leftover meat. And you say to yourself, ah, oh, I'm not really hungry for that. That actually means you're not really hungry. You know, you, you have a fake hunger oh, going on. Wow. You're hungry for something different, which is fine. That's a nice recognition though. Like, I, of course you're hungry for Fritos. We all are like, fuck, right. those are awesome. of course you're hungry for nachos. Like those are fucking delicious, you know? I, my, my go-to treat and, and I'm so glad I found it. And I get to thank Greg for that too, is, uh, frozen berries. Um, just like, and then, and then I put a little heavy cream on it and the uh-huh. heavy cream freezes on their like fucking magic shell. Remember so, that shit as a kid? Yeah. And I'm just like, and I give myself that at night and I can't even fucking believe that it's legit. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you so good. What kind of berries? It's like a mix. Yeah, just whatever the, the the stuff that's um the stuff that's too expensive to buy, but because I'm smart with my money, like we talked about in the beginning of the show, I can put in my cart and not worry. When I lost my job with CrossFit, I didn't re up my um my membership to Sirius XM. I didn't um I didn't I, and, and the reason why is because the money I save from that makes it so I can buy organic avocados without thinking twice. Like the, the, what you said in the beginning, I didn't get to jump on that, but that's so true. Cut everything out in your life to make your life easy. So the shit that you want, like it would, I remember being in high school and like putting in like $3 at a time into my gas tank. That shit sucks. How about you just stop smoking weed and stop drinking coffee at Starbucks so you don't have to worry about fucking putting gas in your gas tank. Life's so much better that way. Um, One's little uh, three hours and six minutes. One more minute, and it'll be a new world record. Um, yeah. When's the um? What's the longest you've gone without working out? Um. Since since like eighteen fifty when you started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right after I was done signing the Constitution. Yes. um, Fuck, man. Uh, it's it's. I haven't had really any long breaks, uh, off of lifting. I want to say the most amount of days in a row might be like four or five. And when you say off, like literally like you didn't do a hundred pushups or you didn't, um, a- anything over a walk, like you've taken four or five days off. Yeah, I think so. Um, there, so there were times when I was like a couple of years ago, when I, when I was, when I was a competitive power lifter and we would travel around and, and go to some other places. Um, I, if it was for the seminar stuff, I would usually lift because I like to lift before the seminars kind of get you hyped up and get you ready to go. But and you look good all jacked. Yeah. You're all jacked. If I went to like trade shows and stuff years ago, a lot of times I wouldn't work out on those days. I would just go for like a walk in the morning. 
Um, so like I could have, you know, been at like the Arnold for two, three days. Um, and yeah, just had four or five days completely off of like lifting. There's always some exercise, uh, in there of some kind, at least some sort of walk or just something. You know? If you're three thirty, the two mile walk from your hotel to the convention center with fucking, um, a, 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 a pallet jack of steak right. shake is fucking a workout. Oh yeah. Yeah. When I was that big, uh, there wasn't really a whole lot of walks going on. It was, you know, I, it, it, it's been, I've been walking quite a bit for the last like 10 years and probably for the last five years is when I really kind of kicked the walking into high gear because I became a person that just wanted to move more. I just like nowadays, I just feel like, I mean, I'm standing right now doing this podcast. I feel like I need to, my, my body is trained to like, want to like, even at the end of the day, when I sit down and I watch TV and stuff, I'm like, I'm wasting my fucking time. I'm wasting my fucking time. You should get up. You should go do something. And I'm like, no asshole. You're chilling here with your wife. You're watching, <laughs> watching a movie, you know? So my, my, my friend, still sometimes my friend, Travis Bajan told me, do you know who that is? Travis Bajan. I know him well. Yeah. The arm wrestler. Yes. Um, he, has he been on your podcast? He has not, but I'd love to have him on. I haven't seen him in years. Um, he told me that when you, it, when you go over 300 pounds, that there has to be moving air in the mm. room. Like there has to be a fan in the room. Oh, like, absolutely. You start sweating bullets. Yeah. Is that true? Like, so when you were over 300, was there like a fan in every room in your house or like you had to oh. sleep with a fan on you? Yeah, you need not only do you need a fan, but you need a fan like blowing directly on your face for some reason. Your face is always really hot, and your face is fat, and uh, yeah, your back is just kind of always sweaty. It's kind of gross. I remember Travis. I was at the Arnold Classic one year, and you know he's he's very you know uh, he's very loud. You know he's got a great personality, and he's yelling at me and my brothers and stuff. We don't know him and, and shit like that, but we we go over and we kind of recognize. He kind of has this like wrestling personality game recognized game yeah and he's like he's like you know he's got this arm wrestling table set up and we're like we're just gonna get killed like there's just no point so i just like locked up with him i just felt his strength right away and i was like this is just this is just like totally he didn't kill me or anything but like we just he was totally just toying with me playing around but he just felt so strong just even the way that he grabbed my like thumb i was like oh my god it feels like he can break my hand um, and then we were, so he was, we were just messing around. That's kind of how we met. And then, um, we walked by his booth again and we were with Eric Spoto and, uh, Travis is yelling again. And I was like, Hey, you want to try arm muscling this guy? And, uh, Eric was like super reluctant. He's like, oh, I, don't, I don't think so. And so they, they locked up and they, they weren't going to, they weren't going to go full steam anyway. Like those guys, they're professionals, you know, they'll fucking hurt themselves if they go, all in and i don't think that this guy i don't think travis knew about eric spoto at the at that time eric spoto broke the all-time world record in the bench press and actually is quite a prolific arm wrestler himself but nobody really knows that and so they lock up and travis like looks at us and he's like you motherfuckers (laughs) (laughs) you brought over your friend you brought over your friend to beat me up (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I think uh, Eric was able to beat him with one arm, and then Travis was able to beat him with the other. I forget who was like his left is his bread and butter. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And so Eric was able to beat him with his right, but like you know, Travis is already you know super high level either way. 
Yeah, what a great what a great story. Uh Mark, thank you. Thank you. This has been great. Uh thank you so much. Where do you live at? I'm in um Santa Cruz, California. Oh shit, you're not too far. So you do need to come to the gym. It's it's where it's where I dwell. I know I'm t- I'm telling you like I seriously was planning on coming when I saw that shovel walk thing. I go this motherfucker thinks no one's going to show up at 4:30. I'm going to like I started like like, you know what I mean? Getting myself revved up. I'm going to fucking drive up there and like be under the shovels at four. Th- and then the day just came and went and I didn't. And I'm kind of glad I didn't because I know that feeling of walking so much that like the wires that like run our marionette start tightening up. It's a weird one. That's a good way of putting it. You know, next, just, uh, oh, you're doing it. And I'll let you know, like, just, I, I mean, I, I walk over there every day, so. I'll just hit you up. And if you have time to cruise down, we can hit up a walk. And then when we're done with the walk, we could podcast. Oh yeah. That's so much better than box telling me we're going to do box. squats too. Do you ever come down this way? Uh, it's been a long time, but I can make excuses to come down that way for sure. All right. Well, if you ever do, it would, it, it, it's, it's always, it's always, a, it's always a pleasure to meet uh, nice people and hang out with nice people. I, what'd I, you do I, for- what did you do for CrossFit? I ran their media department. So basically I, I, I was, um, I, I was producing a show for ESPN that, that Travis was also co-producing. He, he was actually the executive producer. He got all the money from the sponsors for it. And I was making the show and I ran into this guy named Travis Titus, who's a, a pretty high level security guard. He got some crazy, crazy, crazy clients. And he was telling me he does this thing called CrossFit. This is like in 2005 or six. And he told me the workouts he did. And I'm like, you fucking liar. He was already buffed and beautiful. I'm like, there's no reason to fucking lie. And then we went home and my buddy's like, holy shit, that guy's not lying. He does workouts where you sprint and do a hundred pull-ups and weird shit. So I started doing CrossFit and and there were no videos really on the website at the time. And uh, so I just wrote an email to Greg and Lauren or actually my buddy did. And he said, Hey, we, we want to make videos for you. Um, and we gave him a budget of like $500,000 and Greg's like, well, uh, we don't have any money to pay you, but we'll let you go to a seminar for free. (laughs) So I went to a seminar for free and had my mind blown. And I was 34 years old at the time. And I started making videos for CrossFit for a year for free. And it was just me and Tony Budding and Carrie Peterson who were on the media team then. And flash forward 15 years and I was running that thing with uh, 100 people working for me, making documentaries, ESPN shows, YouTube. I was just crushing it. You gotta and meet I lived – say that again? I said you got to meet my brother. Oh, I'd love to meet your brother. What? And that's why I was so like – when 2008 when he did that, like I made a lot of movies and I was like, wow, this this – someone – this is a thoughtful motherfucker. Like he's – it's that's an it's an incredible movie. I watched it again two nights ago. Awesome. Yeah, incredible. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks. Um, you want to go to four, want to go to four hours? <laughs> <laughs> My wife always asks me that. Yeah. Uh, come, come on, baby. <laughs> fifty more minutes. Fifty more minutes. Um. Uh. If you um. I'm willing to give you Travis's phone number and three other people's phone number as long as you promise not to have Greg Glassman on before me. Mm, we'll see. If you have Greg on before me, I swear to fucking God, I'll break all your bench press records. I'm not fucking around. Damn, I don't want that to happen, bro. At 150 pounds. <laughs> Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. You the man. <laughs>